Welcome to another edition of Mass Mats and Ma'am. I'm your host, the Outlaw LA Red. You can find me on Twitter at Justin Harvey75. You can find the entire show on Twitter at MMM Show75. And uh it's a big one today, guys. It's a fun one. There's gonna be some some fun topics of conversation. I know you can already see that menacing figure down there. Uh Mr. Kevin Cross is with us today, which is gonna be a pleasure as always. I do have to start this off, sadly, once again on another freaking somber note. You guys know how much I hate starting shows off like this, and I don't want to ever have to do it. Um, but we do want to send our love and respects and our thoughts and prayers out to the entire Guerrero family on the passing of Chavo Guerrero Sr. Um, and I got to say, like, uh, you know, we talk a lot about Lucha Underground on this show. And, you know, the last time Chavo was uh, Chavo Jr. was there doing his Loser Leaves Lucha match. Uh, Chavo Sr. was there, and he sat for the whole show. Didn't just come out for his angle, didn't just work his bit. I mean, he's, you know, one of the old school guys down to the very last, man, where he sat there for the entire taping for, like, two episodes before he played out his angle. None of us knew it was coming, and it was like, oh, my God, Chavo Classic Swerve, of course. None of us saw it coming, Um, but it was awesome. You know, I got to throw a fist bump to Chavo senior that day. Uh, it was, it was really great that he was there. And that was, that was a, actually a very high point I thought in season three, um, regardless of what anyone thinks, especially live in the temple, that whole day was great. We didn't see the match coming with Chavo. We didn't know anything about that angle. Didn't know anything about Chavo senior. And it was one of the true surprises of season three. Um, you guys have anything you want to throw in about Chavo senior? Yeah. Um, a lot of people, there's a reason that a lot of people don't know, but uh, it's because a lot of the California footage was lost. Um, the people that would do the California TV show would tape over the last week with the current week. So it would, uh, a lot of the footage is gone now. And uh, Chavo Sr. was a huge part of that. And his feud with Roddy Piper was one of the biggest things in California at the time. And uh, they had an awesome feud, right? That, uh, that, ended in a cage match that my friend Zach, who's been on the show before, his dad was actually there as a kid. And uh, the the way the feud happened is uh, Piper went on TV and he started like talking shit about Mexicans a lot, right? And then what happened was uh, the station really got people pissed off and writing in and calling and stuff like that. So Piper went on TV and he said, I'm going to apologize uh, and I'm going to do it the only way I know how. I am going to play the Mexican national anthem on the bagpipes live in the ring and at the Olympic auditorium. So he goes there and uh, he, uh, he plays La Cucaracha on the uh, bagpipes instead. And <laughs> the crowd just goes fucking ballistic and then Chavo kicks his ass, you know, and uh, it was it was money. It was a money feud, and uh, that's it, he's a big piece of history. And uh, I wish I could like point you guys to more videos to actually show you the history of California that he was a part of, but unfortunately, it don't exist right now. Man, that is serious. Two classics right there, man. Just. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And hopefully they're hanging out together right now. You know what I mean? Oh, I, I hope so, too. So, again, rest in peace, Chavo Sr. Did you want to throw anything in, Kevin Byron? No? Well, I uh, 
I, I mean, I, I don't really know what else to say other than what's been said already by everyone else. I mean, it's, uh, it's always really disparaging um, to lose anyone from the industry um, or really anyone that you've ever looked up to or known or you've, you've um, paid attention to for an extended period of time. And he's been responsible for so many people um, finding their feet in the business and um, having the education to do what they love to do growing up. Uh, he's touched so many lives um, and he's helped create and engineer a lot of uh, beautiful people inside and outside of this business. And it's, you know, it just sucks, but I mean, it's inevitable. And, um, you know, I'm sure that he would want his life celebrated, you know, um, outside of that, which is exactly what we're doing right now. We're talking about some of the good times that he gave to us. And it's just crazy. You know, when you think about someone who passes away and you think about the kind of life that they've led, you begin to think about, you know, the things that they contribute. And uh, he contributed a lot in so many different directions. And um, that's pretty amazing. One person can only hope to live a life like that. Yeah, I mean, absolutely a true and pure wrestling legacy, I mean, is left behind that that people will not forget. And those guys that he touched along the way and the guys that they touched in turn after that, um, I think, I mean, it's good and it's heartwarming, even in a bad situation like this, to see how much is out there. And, and it comes to the surface all at once and it's overwhelming. But when you see these guys who are truly greats, this is what happens. When they pass, it all comes to the surface at once and you see a lifetime that has led up to being a true legacy. Mm -hmm. um, Byron, you got anything you wanted to throw in, brother? I didn't want to cut you off if you wanted to say anything about Travel Senior. I mean, I don't, I don't have anything really to add. I think uh, Kevin and Casey really said it perfectly. All right. Well, that being the case, I gotta, I gotta clear the air about one thing because I want to get to some, some fun conversation with our man Killer Cross there. Um, oh yeah, like how we've been enjoying Lucha Underground on Netflix because it was supposed to be up the fifteenth, right? Okay. Well, let's, okay, let's, let's talk about that because the first thing is. I don't want I don't want there to be a lot of unnecessary heat out there. Like, look, I, I don't have any issues with Court Bauer, MLW, and I'm going to actually mention them by name this time because they made reference to um, things that Eric Van Wagenen said on this show uh, last week on their show. So I feel it's only appropriate to address it. And us honestly being the smaller of the two potatoes, like they get they get way more listeners. We get what, six, four to six hundred people a week. It's not huge. We get enough people. We get our the Lucha Click people that we want listening to the show. They got a bunch of WWE fans listening to their show, so they get like 10,000 hits. Whatever. I get it. We're smaller than they are. But here, here's the thing, and I want to I set the record straight about a few things. I do believe that Court Bauer had a lot of accurate information. He really did. It was the same information we had on our show two weeks before it ever came out of his mouth. The thing that everyone was waiting for, we were waiting for, Lucha Blog was waiting for, all the other podcasts out there were waiting for, was a piece of concrete information, and that was a date. No one knew a date, and there was a reason no one knew a date. It's not because the rest of us don't have contacts or sources or inside information. It's because there wasn't a fucking date. There just wasn't one. And there was some very good technical reasons for it. It wasn't because there weren't a stack of really awesome people busting their ass to finally make this deal go through and happen. It wasn't because people at Lucha Underground weren't chomping at the bit to put out some good news. Because believe me, and all the Lucha sky is falling out there, these people are not stupid. They want to put out a good piece of information to keep their fans excited. They were clamoring for that piece of information. Now, 
I don't know where Court got his information from. Uh, I know what he said on his show. We'll talk about that in a minute. But he came with a date. He came out with a date. And we chose not to re-report his date. Um, and if we had, we would have attributed it directly to him, that the date mm. came from him. But a lot of people did not. A lot of people said directly that, you know, that was the date. <coughs> didn't attribute him as a source. Um, and there's some issues with that. So I want to first talk about journalistically what you're supposed to do when you have information. You get information and it comes from a source. You do not need to name that source. But unless the information is coming from you directly, as if you are a party to the information, if you are reporting information, you should say that it did come from a source or else you are now liable for those facts because you are the one that have stated them and you have not said or attributed them to anyone other than yourself. When Court Bauer went on MLW and said that Lucha Underground was going to be on Netflix on the 15th, he did not attribute it to anyone. He didn't say that it came from somewhere else. He didn't say he had it on good authority. He didn't say he had some information or something that he wanted to share that he had heard in the pipeline. He did not attribute it to anyone else. And he just said it plainly as fact. And this is why so many other people ran with it. Talent from the company ran with his date. Okay. <laughs> Everyone was running with his date. You know, and other sources, there, there are people who did it accurately and said that it came from him with no confirmation. Mm -hmm. I got on the horn. And I started making phone calls, man. I started sending emails. I started making phone calls. I wanted to back it up because I wanted a piece of good news. Okay. And everybody did. But the simple fact of the matter is the date was wrong. He went on his show again this week and says he stands by all of his information and then explained that it came from one of the owners of the company while he was at Combates Americas with other people around. That's great. I don't question that at all. I don't question the validity of what he was trying to do there. I don't know why he would be leaking the information if he heard it in confidence or if somebody told him he could run with that story. He never did say that. Um, and, and if these are his friends and he was leaking something that he wasn't supposed to, they should think about who they're talking in front of next time they're throwing things around like that. But more power to him. If he got a scoop, that's great. You get a scoop, you run with it. You pop a number. And he even said that episode of his show was one of the biggest numbers because all of a sudden you've got guys who don't normally listen to him that are Lucha Underground fans and fans of other products jumping on. It worked. Good for you. You got some numbers, brother. Um, and, and that's not necessarily bad for any of us. Look, it put some story out there, put some heat on it, put some excitement, got a little pepper on it. Um, but at the same time, there is one simple fact that remains here. It is now past February 15th. Lucha Underground is not on Netflix, nor was it ever going to be on Netflix on the 15th. And what I don't want to see happen from this is I don't want people to think that Lucha Underground is full of crap and teasing them with something that isn't real because it wasn't Lucha Underground that did it. No, um, they specifically came on our show and said something completely. Well, er, er, Eric did, and, Eric. and Dorian was the one who released the official release after yeah. people were running with the story about us reporting the correct information on our show. And this is all still before the 15th. Um, right. And then he, he came out, but, you know, Court stuck to his story on his show, um, which I think is regrettable for a couple of reasons. Mm -hmm. A, because I don't think Court Bauer meant any 
uh, harm to the product or anyone out there when he put the information out. He was honestly trying to do a good thing. And for that, I feel sorry for him. I feel sorry for Evie Dub that he had to come out on this show and try to correct it. I feel sorry for Dorian that, you know, he was forced into a position where he had to make a press release that they weren't ready for because they still don't have a date. Mm -hmm. Put it out as a tweet that it's coming at some random time in spring because now everybody looks silly. And the only people that don't look silly are us because we just happen to not run with the story and have an accurate piece of information because we understood that in TV, they weren't going to be ready yet. Um, but I'm sorry about that. What I'm not sorry about is I'm not sorry about asking questions. I'm not sorry about trying to have journalistic integrity and not disclosing sources when you're not supposed to. And also citing that you do have sources if you have them so that people don't think it's just you releasing information. I'm not sorry about that. We will continue to do that. And we're not a news source. Damn it. We're just here to have some fun, talk about the stuff we like, you know, and there's a lot going on. It's hot right now. It's interesting. I mean, all this stuff that's going on is good for business at the end of the day. It really is. You guys might not think it is. Everyone thinks the Lucha Sky is falling or TNA has these problems and that problem. I'm telling you, this stuff keeps people talking. It keeps people interested. It's going to keep people excited about the product. Hopefully, it keeps people excited about the talent that's behind creating these products because there's a story now, people. It's not just get in the ring, knock another guy down. There's stories. These are real people with real lives, trying to run real companies, make real business things happen, to push themselves further, to do exciting things for our entertainment, including Court Bauer, including Dorian Roldan, including Eric Van Wagner, including guys like Kevin Cross, including the guys who jumped from AAA to Crash, including Jeremy Borash, who's out there with a camera trying to make the Hardys look good. All of these people are working hard to entertain us. And mm -hmm. that's why I don't want there to be heat. I'm going to call a spade a spade. I'm going to say what's wrong. The one thing that was wrong was the date. That's it, people. That's it. We're making a big hubbub over the date. We're all still excited about it. It is still a good thing. Blue Underground's coming to Netflix. That's good. That's been yeah. officially announced now. I'm going to party over that. That's a good thing. We sadly still don't know when. So, you know, everybody has to keep it in perspective. You can't get too out of control about it. Um, you know, and I'm sorry, I, I'm starting off the show with this rant, but I know a lot of people are coming here to hear what we have to say. Mm -hmm. And uh, and you're going to stick around because if not, Kevin's going to kill you. He's going to drop you on your fucking head. <laughs> he will. Um, you know, and and... I don't know that there's any more I can or should or would really be able to say about it. We're going to talk a little bit later about the TNA thing too, because mm -hmm. uh, I have a little insight into what's going on there, <laughs> which should be fun. Yeah. Um, but I just want to end it with with this this little mini rant on on this Lucha Underground Netflix thing, and hopefully we can let it die after that. Yeah, because we've Mary, done like six weeks on it. Yeah, we have. Well, <laughs> dude, it's been longer than that. I mean, Netflix has been uh, coming. For Lucha Underground for a long time. Timothy Leary said it best. Think for yourself and question authority. It's that simple. Think for yourself and question authority. I think He's Stone Cold said it best. Who? What? Acid. Acid. Did he talk about doing acid? He did a bunch well, of Well, you know what? You know what, Byron? Stone Cold. Stone Cold said the same thing, and he wasn't on acid. He was just on a shitload of beer. Can you confirm that? He wore Daisy Dukes to the ring. Look, I'm sorry. I'm sorry if we caused uh, some people to be uneasy or uncomfortable. 
Um, I'm sorry that they pulled the plug on our show last week because uh, things were getting a little hot under the collar. Casey, Casey was lighting it up. But, you know, who could be better to help us out with those kind of issues today than this guy right here? Let me give him the proper introduction that he actually deserves. The destroyer of idols and legends, the father of cross cult, the herald of doomsday, what else? Former SFW champion with 32 defenses over 421 days as a port, part of his 932-day win streak. Is that correct? Still the people's SFW Oh, my God. Current modern vintage wrestling world heavyweight champion, the Toll Man, Kevin Cross, also known now as Killer Cross. What the hell's going on, brother? You know, just... Recently picked up a rock shovel since I live in Las Vegas. Um, here, got to get reinforced industrial equipment. Other than that, you know, just training and trying to keep things simple. I mean, it has to be simple these days because pretty much we're, we're living in the end times, right? Yes, I would say so. <laughs> the clock's ticking. <laughs> All right, speaking of clicking talks, I, we got to get right into it because I know a lot of people on this coast – uh, didn't get to see it. What was the deal with you and Shane Douglas? How did this come down? Was this this was this a modern modern vintage event? It was. It was actually North Carolina uh, at an event called Crossroads. It was the first title offense for me in modern vintage wrestling. Take after he got a close one on Pentagon, and uh, Shane competed against each other on Saturday in an Extreme Rules match, and lots of fun. Very surreal. Very surreal. Um, just being the kid growing up watching uh, Shane cut the promo when he throws the belt down and, you know, takes us on that ECW journey. It was, it was pretty unbelievable. But uh, I'm very militant when it comes to anything where my attention and focus is required uh, 100% in the regards of, you know, when I was competing or, you know, with a match, I get there and it's immediately the task at hand. So, it kind of hit me like over the next couple of days that that happened. I didn't have time to think about what we were doing. I just had time to focus on what needed to be done. And I've always been like that. So it's kind of been hitting me in waves that I was able to have that moment. And uh, man, it was awesome. And we did it in a place that had a mezzanine. And it was one point where she had to throw him off the roof. I mean, it was totally insane. Uh, so. As soon as you say mezzanine and you bring up anyone from ECW, I just, I just think bad things are going to happen. <laughs> oh, yeah. And they did. I mean, and this guy, this guy is, uh, you know, for the younger listeners that may not know who Shane Douglas is. I mean, one of the dynamic dudes. I, I know that's what you're thinking, Justin. He's Did from he the skateboard during the Extreme Rules match is what I want to know. He was from the Radicals, which is the earlier version of La Rebellion. Yeah, but wow. he was from the dynamic dudes, which were an earlier version of the Radicals because they were <laughs> radical, bro. I was really just going to get back to the to the ECW thing where he threw down the uh, the NWA title that he had that and turned that. it into the the ECW belt, uh, which at Eastern the time was extreme. Eastern Championship Wrestling, right? wasn't mm -hmm. wasn't Extreme Championship anything at the it time. It was when he threw the belt down, though. Oh boy, was it ever! I mean, that's one of those moments where you look at it and you're like. Damn, that took balls for the booker. That took balls for the for the talent. That took balls for everybody in the room, with some of the NWA guys sitting there watching their belt be thrown down. Like, I would have been worried that those guys were going to bum rush and just start stabbing people with ink pens or something. I mean, that was that was a pretty tremendous thing for that guy to do. 
but at the same time, uh, it's time for for the new blood. I mean, there's there's people out there making big bold moves now, mm-hmm. and that that guy is Cross right here. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Oh, but, man. So the the real question I think with Shane is, was it his idea to do the extreme rules? Was it your idea? Like, th- that seems a bit crazy. If it was your idea, like, who wants to go into an extreme rules match with Shane Douglas? That doesn't sound smart. It was my idea. <laughs> it was my idea. Uh, there was really only one way to. There's only one right way to do this, you know. And you don't know how many times or any, you know, how many other chances you're going to have to go out there and do that. Um, you know, ECW uh, just shaped so much of uh, me and how I think and everything I do in that ring. I th- thought it was an appropriate way to just drop a nuke that one and only time and just do it the way it. it um, I came out there with the Brian Pillman shirt and everything, so there were. Uh, it was it was a controversial moment. I said a lot of things I probably can't repeat here. I don't know. Maybe I can. Maybe I can't. Maybe I shouldn't. But I said a lot of things that I uh, on the mic there that were very uh, ECW esque, and it were all over the place. It was amazing. Very so, surreal. I mean, like, how extreme did you get? I mean, like, you're you're a guy that most people are afraid of with rules. Right. Like, how extreme were you getting with Shane without rules? Were you were you using foreign objects? Were you taking some liberties? I didn't really need any weapons. I typically don't need any weapons. Um, you know, I That's believe uh, I, th- I think Shane broke a bottle over my face. Um, he definitely. I think he took your cans and cheers me over my head. Uh, almost threw me down a flight of speed, teed me on a chair, um, and when I had enough of that. I went in his throat and he fell back into a seat in the audience. And I sat down next to him and asked him if he was enjoying the fucking show. Uh, and then I proceeded to drag him in the ring and uh, I'd overtaped my right hand. So I took the tape off and I wrapped it around his throat and I strangled him unconscious. Uh, no country for old men star in the handcuffs. So, and then the faces ran. The whole place broke out into a how do we see this? Is it on video on demand somewhere? If, since it's Modern Vintage Wrestling is going to publish the whole thing, so you guys will be able to see it. I'll definitely keep you in the loop about it. Dude, we just need to so. fly across the country next time. Yeah. You're like, you're <clears throat> killing it on two coasts now, dude. Yes. How did you not get arrested? Um, I took. I, I, we had this thing in New York called the back door. So <laughs> we learned about that. So anytime you're ever in trouble, you find the nearest available back door or the emergency stairwell, which is also good for throwing people down if you're well. <laughs> so there's usually concrete steps in an emergency stairwell as opposed to just a general stairwell. So that's like if you remember, you know, the uh, N64 wrestling games, the joystick would be the stairwell. But then when you get your second special, the fire special that like lasts a very short time, that's the emergency stairwell. That's like your ultimate special you can only use once a match, and the guy can't take out. It's like so. the straight up burning hammer status right there. Thank you. Yes, burning hammer once a match, and that's a wrap. I mean, if the KO thing <laughs> is on, so working out. What did it mean to you to go after Shane Douglas for everything he stands for in history and in violence in wrestling? Uh, it was a profound experience, to be honest, because I was always hooked, and I think arguably still am hooked, in the stuff that him and Pillman were doing. Um, and, you know, that was like a very uh, messy and convoluted time period. So I don't recall whether Brian was too hurt to work or he wound up doing something um, with WWF at the time, but all the stuff that they had, 
I like I've I've watched that like literally over a thousand times. All the stuff that him and Shane had, and you know, I always wondered growing up how that was going to turn out and how insane that was going to be. And uh, you know, to be able to go in there and kind of vicariously live through some of the stuff that I grew up watching, um, man, it's like I said, it's still hitting me in waves. It's an awesome experience. I mean, who gets to say that they've done that in their life? Uh, someone they've been watching on television have an opportunity to work with them. And it's just like it's it, it shouldn't it shouldn't be real. Like that should not have happened. That doesn't happen to people. And it's it was a very humbling and, uh, and a profound experience. And you know, I, I get to I get to take that with me. That's awesome. But see, this is how you this is how you gain your superpowers. You absorb them mm -hmm. by by defeating the the once great. And then like Highlander, dude. Yourself. Are we talking? Yes. We talking Highlander? So he's got to rip off Shane's head, and then he gives us a quickening. Yes, Kurgan Cross. Kurgan Cross. There yes. you go. Yeah. <laughs> well, now here was the disappointing thing. Everybody else in the world was jumping for joy when they heard Kurt Angle was going to be in the Hall of Fame, and I'm like, crap. I wonder if that means that Cross isn't going to get his hands on him now. You know, uh, I, I've met with Kurt um, just because the universe brings things to me if I think about them enough in a very strange way. And, uh, you know, fans were clamoring for like a year and a half now to see me versus Kurt Angle. And then suddenly we get booked the same thing, which was like a toy con or something like that. We talked and I actually knew months ahead because um, he had mentioned to me that this was something that was a direction he wanted to go in. So I just kept that to myself. And then sure enough, he's there. And uh, I really hope that we guy for in ring. Uh, he's been a major inspiration to me. And uh, you know, I just saw him wrestle uh, Patron, and I was like, "What about me? What about Raven? You know what I mean? What about me over here?" <laughs> I'm, I'm just like, "Like what? What the what the fuck?" So and, and and you know, there's a lot of investors that have actually put the dollar forward that said that they're interested to do it. It's just a matter of when and where. Um, so, I mean, the, the ball is essentially in his court if he wants it to be. Well, I mean, look, if there's promoters out there that'll book it and pay for it, I'll, mm -hmm. I'll show up for it. That sounds like just the, the yeah. most, <laughs> I mean, cause where else That's... can you get a guy that works that style? There's just, you, you can only have that match with that guy. Yeah. There's no one else you can have that match with. No, absolutely. And, um, the both of us would compliment each other in the ring, so to speak, in that regard. And he, he will never, ever find anyone like me anywhere on this planet, ever. I don't know if he wants to find somebody like me ever on this planet. That's a whole other story altogether. But, uh, you know, it's, you know, I mean, if, if I could, I would say do it in Vegas. It's the entertainment capital mecca of the world. Why wouldn't we do it here? And plus, yeah. we're so close to Vegas, so all three of us could go. That's even better. Yeah, though I yeah. wasn't able to go last time. Byron was there. Yeah. Byron was there when you uh you killed Matt Hardy. Mr. Broken when Matt Hardy. Out of Matt Hardy. When you broke yes. Matt Hardy even worse. Yes. Yeah, that was that was a good time. Despite eating three twists of fate, that was an excellent that was an excellent night. Three G's. Oh. Yeah, there was three. I was fighting from underneath that night. And he almost broke. That was a match. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh my tibia legitimately was uh was spiral fracture in that match he pulled my boot he pulled my boot and knee pad off and then um bit my foot my bare foot he put in his mouth 
almost bit my toe off and then he put my leg in the ladder and then like my raw leg was smashed with a chair inside the ladder and I had a star fracture for my leg. I think we were about eight minutes, 10 minutes in. <laughs> I think that's what, uh, what Son of Havoc uh, is going through right now injury-wise too. Uh, yeah. I think it's the same, uh, same bone. Oof. Yeah, okay. uh, Son of Havoc, he looks a little more laid up though. Yeah. Like, Laid yeah. up, laid up. That's not a good, good deal over there. Um, the following day, following day, I was doing cardio on the leg too. I had no idea I had a spiral fracture. My leg is this big, but uh, me or something. I was flying around. I was on the stairmaster. I was like, I'm just gonna put 45 minutes today, take it easy. You know, I get home, my legs purple. I swear to God. Well, I went to go see the doctor because eventually I was like, okay, I should see someone three or four days later. He's, he's like, what have you been doing? So I explained the situation to him. He's like, so your leg was in a ladder and a man hit it with a chair. Uh, did you perhaps call the police? I go, oh, let me explain. So I have to like rationally explain this. And the doctor's like, this guy's a complete idiot. And then he's like, well, just so you know, you should stop doing the Stairmaster and jogging outside because you have a compound or a spiral fracture in your leg. And I was like, oh, all right. Good to know. So the things you learn. So this is all, awesome. are you all healed up now? I mean, cause you've been, you've been working brother. Yeah. 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 I, um, I recover very fast. I do a lot of cryotherapy. I do uh, Epsom salt baths, ice baths. Um, I eat very clean too, which is something I started, uh, I started doing when I started training pro wrestling, I have like an anti-inflammatory diet, lots of vegetables and stuff like that. And I make sure now that I'm getting eight hours of sleep because I did some of these restorative routines throughout the week and it really, really helps, but I've been on a roll. I think I took maybe a month, month and a half off and I was just like immediately back into the ring. I've been fine. Better than ever, to be honest. All right. So, so let's talk FSW here. Let's talk future stars of wrestling in Las Vegas. Um, you were the champ there for a long, long time. And there was like, mm -hmm. you know, I saw girls and little kids crying in the streets when that was no longer the case. But mm -hmm. you came back, and uh, it seemed like your 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 focus was now in a slightly different place. Like you you've been that guy, and you you've gone there. But tell us tell us where your focus is now in SF FSW, because this is really a place that that I, I won't say you put on the map necessarily, but the dot got a whole lot bigger on the map because of you. So what's what's going on I there? What's this eighty sixers thing I've been hearing about? I appreciate the compliment because a lot of people have a hard time choking that out for whatever reason. So obviously you have no uh, agenda in the situation. So I appreciate <laughs> the compliment. Thank you. Um, yeah, it's uh, uh, the match was with uh, Eli Drake and it was a no DQ match. And uh, I believe like 11 to 14 people cleared out of the locker room. I got put in a figure four and they held my shoulders down. So it was kind of like that Yoker taker thing that happened back in the nineties got pinned out. Um, yeah, it was me versus pretty much the whole locker room. So it was a crazy night. Uh, moving forward beyond that, um, two guys came out to help me, which was Renny Marcel and Jack Manley, the whirlwind gentleman. They are actually from the New Japan dojo. They were students of Shinsuke Nakamura and I believe Carl Anderson, I believe Samoa Joe as well. I've had a very close relationship and they uh, attempted to help me uh, in that clusterfuck that happened in FSW and the commissioner of that company, Paulie Cover, a favorite guy has kind of had it out for them. 
for an extended period of time and has put them in a lot of precarious situations that I was previously in, like getting jumped by 11 people. So I had no intentions of going back to FSW, but I realized that they were not going to last very long under those conditions. So I came back and uh, basically just for an extended period of time, the business has not welcomed uh, smaller wrestlers, so to speak. And uh, they would slap gimmicks on them. And I explained to them that they need to get back to their New Japan roots. And the days of gimmicks are now over. Uh, one guy had an afro. The other guy was coming down with glasses that lit up and everything. I said, you don't need that. What you need to do is you need to start kicking people in the jaw. Specifically, yeah. the left side with the right foot. Kick them so hard that the back tooth goes highball like Planet Terror in the front audience. I said, that's what we need to do. We need to start taking people eight miles out and dropping them six feet under the 86ers. It's Las Vegas, you know, this is what needs to happen now. People need to know that if they're going to run out of your matches and they're going to try to do this and that to you, no one's ever going to see them again. We're going to put them inside a wall, inside an abandoned house, and no one's ever going to find the body. So that's basically the kind of direction we've been driving in. And uh, not very concerned about winning. We're more or less concerned about sending that particular message. Well, I mean, look, you can obviously you can get titles wherever you want them at this point. So it is more about mm -hmm. respect. It's like, look, these people are, are pissing in your backyard. They, I think that that it's a good it's a good way to go. It's a good angle to take at this whole thing of, of getting some respect and getting some respect for some of the guys that, that are coming up and helping you out. And thank God exactly. they're using their old gimmicks. And when you said you got screwed like The Undertaker got screwed by Yokozuna, I immediately my heart hurt. My heart hurt, Kevin. I saw a soul leave his body. That's right. That was a shoot. A soul left the body. Floated How'd up. How'd you get it back? Paul Bearer had to like, deal with a fake Undertaker. You don't want to have to deal with a fake Kevin Cross running around. One is enough. Absolutely not. Up, man. Yeah, there's <laughs> enough of that going on. Ay, ay, ay. Um, yeah, I agree. Okay, so in the same weekend that you faced Shane Douglas, you also had to go up against Paul London? I got on an airplane uh, almost immediately, uh, like three or four hours of sleep, and then I flew from North Carolina to Las Vegas on two flights and got changed in the car and then immediately got into the ring by the time we got to the event and worked uh, Paul, who is a genius and a lunatic and a very close friend of mine. So, uh, yeah, that was insane. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, you know, it's no, it's no secret to anyone who listens to this show that Paul is one of the agents as well on Lucha Underground. So he has created a lot of the awesome stuff that everyone raves about when they watch that show. Um, like, that's got to be a little intimidating, though, getting in there, friends or not, and working with a guy who I consider basically just to be a mastermind in the ring. I mean, is that, is that is. a weird he feeling? Um, again, it was like I get into that mode where this is the task at hand. And that hit me a little bit sooner rather than the Douglas thing because I actually had time to now relax because it wasn't this whole, all right, Shane and I just worked. Now I got to immediately find a way to get to sleep on this adrenaline rush and then immediately get up and, and get to the airport and do all this insane stuff. But, uh, you know, speaking of, 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 you know, putting a compliment out there to someone, so you're not sitting there, you know, tooting your own horn, so to speak, I think it needs to be said and I don't know if it's ever been said, but it needs to be said now that the entire direction that pro wrestling has gone in, in terms of ring work, is something that Paul was actually a pioneer of a long time ago. 
Um, when he had his run in WWE, him and Kendrick coming up, I really believe that Paul was way ahead of his time, way ahead of his time. Because if you guys remember, that was the merger between all the WCW and WWE talent and the ECW guys. And this is still the era of the Titan Towers, six foot four, 285 guy. And with all that talent coming in, Paul had a job. And he was there and he was on TV and he was absolutely killing it. And it's just so funny to see that all really of, of pro wrestling has actually gone in the direction of what he was doing 15 or 16 years ago. Um, in that regard, it was a complete honor to be in the ring with him. And uh, before I'd even met Paul, I'd actually learned a lot just from watching him. And then when I got to know him, alike on a personal level. So um, not so much intimidating, but more, um, I don't know. I, I don't think I can put my finger on it yet, but it was definitely a great honor honor a great honor and you know I, I just me personally if i'm chummy with somebody it's going to be very violent and there's a mutual understanding of that and we were both to get in wherever the chips fall there that's where they may so um it was a lot of it was very very violent and it was very comical well see, yeah wasn't there something about singing i i saw <laughs> paul uh decided to sing his own entrance music <laughs> so, and he like he took a page completely out of Andy Kaufman's book and he, he did the whole song he didn't just do a little bit of it he did the entire song so uh, you're never too young to die and uh, yeah he sang the whole thing and I was I just couldn't even straight face it I was just like let this be what it is and I blew up laughing in the ring and everyone really enjoyed it and everyone here for the last like since Sunday have been like writing the lyrics to me and you know, like they're, everyone's just doing it now. It's become this contagious thing. So yeah, he did his own theme music. <laughs> I guess it's Vegas, you know, you can't stop a show in Vegas. No, you can't. Absolutely not. <laughs> it's um, crazy. Speaking of Vegas, <laughs> did you go to raw? Were you at raw on Monday? I did. I did. I had, I had, um, not in a malicious or a pretentious way, but I had no intentions whatsoever of going to raw that particular day. Um, it was the first day I was back after being on the road for a little bit. Um, my wife actually wanted to watch, she never, the very first wrestling event that she'd ever gone, she was doing background for WWE. It was with me like two years ago. So she had never even been to a wrestling event. She was doing background that day. I believe we did something with Adam Rose. Uh, was with the company. It was a small house show here in Vegas. And she was like, you know, I just like to go see Raw and see what it's actually like for a television taping and see. And so I was literally in the gym. I got a call uh, or I made a call. And within two hours, we had left the gym and then we took her. So well, so that that was a fun experience. So I, I'll ask you and in, in, in you feel free to answer as politically correctly as you would like to what did you think of the raw show this week being there and you I can answer it. that question however you want <laughs> yeah, yeah no, i loved it it was great i love the reminiscent thing of uh kevin owens and chris jericho doing the rocker spot with the window that whole entire thing was hilarious um very cool to see bailey go over yeah. on, uh, on how about when she got schoolboy the back of the head into the turnbuckle that was a cool spot yeah, I really like that. Yeah, it was a good show, really good. I like to see that. Uh, I like to see what they're doing with Strowman as well. I met Strowman um, at a tryout that they did uh, a long time ago. It was in 
it was at the Arnold's, I believe, uh, in flat on rental. Come back. He was super cool. He wasn't on TV yet, but he had been working uh, with their developmental program for a while. He's a really cool every single bit of success he's having. I love seeing him there. He's such a throw. Sorry, did we lose Kevin for a sec there? No. Yeah, we got a little robot. Say that again, Kevin. You were saying something about uh, Strowman deserving it or something? I think you froze up. Still there? There we go. Oh, there we go. There you are. Cool. Just saying, I meant... uh, I'm really happy to see where he's at and what they're doing with him. And he deserves every single ounce of success that he has. And uh, he's like such a throwback to that old school type uh, wrestler. And they don't have anything like that, which is such a, it's a, it's a cool alternative to offer, you know? And I will always, I will always cheer for a guy that looks so much like Ogre from Revenge of the Nerds. Like, (laughs) He looks exactly, he looks like he could be his son. Like that could be like, if they ever need his dad for a segment, they could get the dude who played Ogre. It would be amazing. We need Booger to run in next week on Raw. <laughs> that would be sweet. There's a lot of nerds he can crush, you know? It works. I can just see if the whole thing starts going south, if they start running with that, they start doing cameos and the whole time stuff again. <laughs> Hey, look, man, they brought up Goldberg again this week, so don't discount anything. (laughs) (laughs) And I popped for it. I'm not even going to lie. I completely popped for the Goldberg thing. It was hilarious. Again, it was like, wow, Vince got me again with like a 10-year-old joke. I can't even believe I just (laughs) fell for that. (laughs) That was Um, very funny. Do you ever see yourself in WWE? I, I know I know where your focus is right now, and you're more interested in doing the Lucha stuff and the stuff that you've got going on in the indies and, and booking some of these great matches, but what about WWE down the line? I mean, you could definitely go with a lot of these guys. I mean, I'm, I'm, there's no doubt in my mind whatsoever that uh, I'm going to turn myself into an investment with any company that I'm ever working with. Yeah. But I don't know if I've said this it's really, really important for me personally to find my own fulfillment in this. And um, all I was thinking about when I got into wrestling was going to WWE because um, that was the main exposure that I had. That and All Japan and New Japan and Pancreas Hybrid. So uh, there are, you know, on, on the bucket list of things to do, I would like to have a long-term run in Japan. And I would definitely be open to going to WWE, but it would have to be on more sensible terms than uh, – what would typically be offered, I guess. Um, but that also falls on me. And a lot of people don't want to take that onus and that accountability. If you're looking to go in and do something specific or, or have something that you're interested in specifically doing, you're going to have to be an investment for them off the bat. You know, it doesn't make sense to give someone special treatment. I've never been like that. Uh, it's not how I observe my life philosophically. And I think there's a lot of things that I have to personally contribute to the industry going there and i think you're going to see that with lucha underground i have a very very strong feeling with that and i very much thoroughly am looking forward to building my career with them and i want to build and grow with that show because as you guys know there's nothing like that out there and to be a part of something like that especially with the netflix deal that's happening right now i mean we have an opportunity to continue revolutionizing um, the projection of this performance art uh, within the industry. And I think it's something that needs to be done in the year 2017. It needs to be done. Okay. So 
I do want to talk more about that, but I got to ask you this because it just kind of it's coming to me now. Of all the people who had to have hated the timing of this hiatus and the new schedule, oh my god, underground, it had to have completely screwed you. You can't tell me you were happy the day that you found out that all this shit was getting pushed when you're basically signed to this company, but you're waiting to get in there for your TV tapings and you've only worked dark for them. That had to have sucked. I will tell you, I have not been sick in probably six to seven years. I don't get sick. All right. I wound up getting fucking pneumonia uh, shortly after I got the news that the dates were being pushed back and I had to hear it from the boys. It was like, uh, I, uh, I reached out to management and I asked them about it and they told me and, uh, Man, it was right before Christmas, and I got so fucking sick. I'm still getting over being sick. Uh, I didn't know I had pneumonia. Um, I, I found that out afterwards. I was told, yeah, you should have been in the hospital, and I'm out fucking wrestling. But, yeah, I went up getting pneumonia. Um, still alive. And, yeah, I mean, I just – it's so important to uh, not say anything about anything at all. You know, anything that I may or may not be doing – uh, anything about the Netflix. I saw all the stuff come out about Netflix as well. And I didn't say a fucking word because I didn't hear anything from office. And I was like, I ain't got any emails and I'm, I'm not seeing the writers or the producers talking about anything. I'm going to stay off all of that because something's not adding up here. So especially too, you know, with uh, the dates being pushed back and I saw the Netflix thing coming out, I thought to myself, I can't emotionally invest in anything until it's about to happen. Uh, specifically with this business, um, or in life in general, I suppose. It's a perspective. It's a healthy perspective. You can protect you from losing your mind, as they did in December. So, yeah, I was, was pretty upset. Yeah, I mean, uh, believe me, you were one of the first guys I thought of when that happened, too. Mm -hmm. I was just like, fuck, he's got to wait for his TV time. You know, and I don't know what your contract is, and I don't know if I want to know what anyone's contracts are at this point, but it's just like, I'm pretty sure that, you know, he can't go and work any other US TV, and now he's got to wait before he can even tape until fall, and that just bites. And I'm sorry I'm bringing up a sore subject. Don't get mad at me. I just was, like, from the moment it happened, I was like, dude, I want to know what Cross is thinking right now. This is just so no bueno for him. I well, think I we might have actually on the, show. on the show when the hiatus was announced actually yeah damn and and plus yeah. we're all itching to see how they use you because we saw the kick-ass dark matches <laughs> i am really looking forward to season four and as you guys know i have a general idea of what's going to be happening and um oh man it's going to be it's going to be fucking tremendous <laughs> I, I, ha I have to believe that because we've had Chris Roach on the show. We've had DJ on the show. We've had Evie Dub on the show. Anytime we brought you up, they light up like, oh, wait, do you see what we're going to do with this guy? Like, they're, they're not making it any secrets that you're coming in. They're not making it any secret that they're doing something cool or big with you. Um, and we all know that now. And none of us have a clue who it is. And I have tried to bribe uh eb dub to tell me and he's just like not nah, not gonna do it there's a whole lot of stuff that i'll tell you guys i am never gonna tell you what we're doing with cross until you see it and i'm like you son of a bitch i mean it's gonna be know, so good he's been teasing teasing <laughs> us with you for a long time about what's gonna happen so i i'm excited and and this is one of the things that's cool too and if you guys uh are catching this right now and wondering why we're not doing the uh <laughs> 
the normal routine with Kevin and asking him about like how he got started and you know what you know giant that he beat up in an alley that made him want to wrestle. It's because we talked to him a few podcasts back and go back and listen to it. It's an audio podcast, but um, go back and listen to our first couple of, of interviews with Kevin, learn more about him, and we'll post the links for you if you want to check them out. But um, we've been talking about this for so long, and I think it's really cool because I personally think that, you know, Kevin Cross is one of these guys that we're going to be saying, remember when. Mm-hmm. When you are at the top, and I, I just don't even doubt it at this point in mind at in time, I think the only person that's going to take you away from going to the top is you, and it's probably because you'll find something bigger and better or something that you want more. But if you want to go to the top of this business, with some time and effort, obviously, mm-hmm. um, with some kung fu, as they say, some time and effort, you're going to. And uh, that's the moment we're going to look back on these and be like, dude, wasn't that awesome? We were just shooting the shit with with this guy, and now look where he's at. I mean, I could see you doing movies like Batista if you wanted to, or headlining you know, Rumble or Mania or, or something like that, or taking Lucha Underground to a level that no one is expecting it to go to yet. Um, these aren't things that are even a doubt in my mind. So to, uh, to me, it's like people people, if they're sleeping, they're just idiots. Like, I just enjoy the fact that, you know, we're catching you at a point in time where you're still able to do stuff like this, mm-hmm. um, where you're able to jump on a podcast and shoot the shit with a couple of guys, where you're able to go out and have fun with Paul London at a, at a match without it, you know, being, you know, costing somebody millions of dollars or, you know, where it's still fun and, and simple still, because I know eventually you're not going to be there anymore. You're going to be past the level where it's simple. You're going to be a weaponized human that's destroying people for money for everyone's enjoyment. But right now, it's like you're still going there and we're seeing it happen. And that's a, that's a rare occasion to me. Well, I appreciate it sincerely. You know, um, It's funny you mentioned this stuff about movies and acting as well. Recently, I've actually just acquired an agent and that's something people have been telling me to do do is to get into film and stuff like that. And I've been very stubborn about doing it. And I think the universe has been trying to send me a message. And I think it's no coincidence that uh, my passion and my fulfillment being with Lucha is also a Robert Rodriguez project. And I was like, you know, I need to start taking the necessary steps in that direction to um, open it up as an option. Because as you guys know, I mean, when you cross out of pro wrestling and you start doing things in mainstream media, you can actually help create new fans. You have your residual fans and they know you to be doing what you do and you give them what they want because you know what they want. But when you step outside the business and you are able to acquire new fans, I mean, that's always been goal number one for me. I've always taken a great pride in being able to take something that people have, uh, you know, they just shut it away. It looks ridiculous, whatever it may be, or people have never seen it or heard it or have seen it in the past and you had no interest and they say, well, you know me, would you like to see what I do? And I show it to them and we turn them into a fan. That's a powerful thing. I love doing that and what better way to do that, you know, with film and be able to take people back to what I'm doing and then go back and do it again. So I appreciate it. Thank you. Well, I mean, By- Byron noticed it right off too. He's been like, Oh man, I wish I was back on the West coast. Cause I want to like film a promo with Kevin. Um, yeah. You know, he's been talking about it forever. He's just happens to be on the East coast right now. So at some point we got to get you guys together and just let him put some footage on you, even though, I'll, people, if you haven't gone to Kevin Cross's YouTube channel, like I don't want to oh, send you away from like, ours. You already have badass promos. But yeah. like, Thank first you. of all, <laughs> I take it as a compliment that that you know there's a promo where he's used some clips from this show of 
other people from random episodes that he wasn't even on praising him and giving him accolades or being just deathly afraid of him, which also happens uh, quite frequently. Um, you know, and he cut it into a couple of his promos. They're really slick. It, it's, you know, and I love this because I feel like you're creating a narrative that's, uh, that doesn't just need one promotion. You're creating the narrative of Killer Cross, of Kevin Cross, and, and whatever incarnation you want to be, because no one's going to tell you otherwise. And you're taking it across promotions, and you're doing it yourself. And I just got to think, like, why are other wrestlers and other workers not doing stuff like this? And I don't want to necessarily give them ideas to steal any of your shine that you're giving yourself, but it's so genius. It's like you have a story. All you have to do is find a way to tell it. And people will come and gravitate to that storytelling, even just in you doing it yourself. I mean, it's genius. Are you putting together these ideas yourself? Are you getting help on this stuff? Like, how's this coming about? Like, <coughs> the Kevin Cross uh, YouTube channel and plug the channel too, so people know how to find this stuff. Thank you very much. Um, it's all me. Uh, again, not to toot my own horn, but I'm a very highly motivated individual, and I think without having a giant multimedia machine behind you i think it's important to put as much of this you know of your energy into this try to make it as big as you possibly can and as you said it's a perfect way to describe it as creating a narrative um that's all me all these ideas that i've had that uh, we don't have enough time for national or uh, local television for on the uh, small uh, independent circuits i work on they can always go to my channel and they can watch it there and uh i can chop it up and and put in anything i'd like you know so and it was funny too like i was doing that prior to uh seeing lucha underground and before i had had an eye to really start watching lucha i didn't realize that they were going in the direction they were going in. And I was like, this is amazing. My mind was already operating in those directions prior to seeing it. I mean, I was like, I, I think I was like, this is amazing. There's no boundaries or restrictions that sports entertainment has put on the industry. And I, you know, as I said before, I, I think it's so important to start really stepping into the entertainment direction of things while still obviously protecting the, the performance art as it is in the ring, which they're doing. Um, all of my stuff is, is just right out of my head and I just take a lot of time and a lot of effort and a lot of patience and putting it up and it's all to enjoy. Well, I mean, it, it works too, because, you know, I follow a lot of indie wrestlers and you see their matches, you see where they're going, you see who they're facing at the same time. Um, but it's not tied back together with any kind of narrative. So you're just getting these little pieces. Whereas if someone is following you on social media and Facebook and your, your YouTube, they're actually getting a story of the progression of cross. Like you can see it and, mm -hmm. and it's why you have the cross cult. It's why these things are happening because you're just, you're making them happen. And it's, it's entertaining to watch. It's just fun mm. to keep tabs on what you're doing. I mean, you've seen me pop up on your live Facebook chats every now and then I'll throw a comment. It's like, Oh, the Kevin cross show is on whatever you're doing because it's got this, this flow and this narrative um, to me, which I just find interesting. And it's, it's, it's a grassroots punk rock DIY kind of marketing that is available out there right now that I don't think people are availing themselves to. I just think it's really cool. And I think, I hope <laughs> that a lot of other people do it. Like, you know, AR Fox is one of my favorite wrestlers in the world, but 
you'll be damned if you can find a whole lot about him on social media. He doesn't tweet a lot. He's, his Facebook is filled up and can't accept any more people. And he barely, I mean, it's just like, it's like, damn it. I have to wait for CZW to release something with him from like 17 months ago before I can see what AR Fox is up to. But it's like, oh, yeah. what's Cross doing? Oh, look, he's putting Shane Douglas face first into the canvas right now. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> You know, and then and it's like, oh, what's the promo going to be coming out of that? Like, what's Cross going to say? And then you got, you know, your promos with you sitting on the edge of the ring talking about what it means to wrestle Shane Douglas. And it's like this whole narrative. I'm not in the same city you're in. You're an indie performer. And yet I can still follow you seamlessly through the journey of your career. It's just smart. It's just good marketing. Absolutely. Thank you. And, you know, as I said, it's it's all out there specifically for you guys and uh, I always appreciate the look and I appreciate that you guys enjoy it. All right. So we what are you going to do? What are you going to do next? What are you uh, like? You're going to come further West and destroy like, you know, PCW, uh, PWG, FCW, Brave Immortal. Like what, what, what are you doing on the West coast? I am very, very, very much interested in competing with PWG. I've been interested for a very long time. Uh, getting involved with those shows seems to be more complicated than I'm aware of. Um, so I really don't uh, entirely understand how to navigate and being a part of one of those shows. So I know that uh, people have been calling my name in droves. And as I've said, if you call my name in droves, I shall appear. So I'm just waiting for the invite so they don't call the police. Yeah. I want to see you and Super Dragon go at it, see what happens. I would like that as well. Uh, but yeah, uh, it's that's I something I would like what to happens do. Happens is called a homicide, Byron. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I think that's the the correct term for it. A bring your own tombstone match. Um, yeah, it's. I'm interested in doing that 100. Uh, percent In terms of uh, matches coming up, there have been things I'm going to wait for the companies to announce before I brought them. But we've got a lot of really interesting, some more ECW matches. Uh, and perhaps someone who uh, uh, was a former WWE, WCW, and NWA uh, champion Ooh. of sorts. That'll be coming up soon. Of sorts, okay. Weren't you talking about trying to put together? You've been there's some buzz about a tournament you're trying to put together. Yes, uh, something something will be something will be coming up uh, relatively soon. I'll keep you guys informed about it, but there's a lot of really cool things coming up. I wish I could tell them now, but I want to make sure that these guys confirm because everyone always says they're interested to work me until it comes time to actually uh, agreeing to the plane ticket. And then something suddenly comes up. That's a shoot. Yeah. So, like, Oh, I thought you said Kelly cross. You said, yeah. Kelly cross. I don't want to face him. <laughs> no. Dude, one day I'll tell you when season four, one season four airs, I'm going to have a whole plethora of stories that I've never, ever told anyone publicly about people dodging me and making up stories. And I'm not even kidding right now. Uh, just th th this is a very, very strange business with a lot of great people and a lot of strange people. And I'll have some stories for you guys next year. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to wait, I'm going to wait, but uh, yeah, there's a lot of very bizarre people here. So with these things coming up, I, I will keep you guys posted. Well, but dude, you, you, you got to admit, like, you know, you're some guy who's who's either had his heyday or is at his heyday. They see you coming up, and it's like, shit. You yeah. know, this is where it's at. This is the future. But man, 
this isn't going to be fun for me being the old guy. Like I'm going to, this guy's going to look great no matter what I do. <laughs> he's got the look. He can talk on the fucking mic. He's vicious as hell. He's throwing head kicks like shit. Like, you know, even if I go over, this is not necessarily a good day for me. <laughs> you know, <laughs> this guy's got to be thinking that when they see you coming, like, and it's an, and it's, it's a tough part of the business. I think for a lot of guys that are, are close to your position. Sure. No, it definitely is. You know, I know Cage has gone through it for a very long time. I've talked to him about it. You know, Cage is there, but when he was coming up, this was a regular thing for him. Um, but, uh, you know, take the money, shut the fuck up and go to the hospital. That's my policy. <laughs> <laughs> Smart plan. I mean, I think also, and, and it's, a, it's one of the other reasons why I'm excited to see where you're going. Like, I, I want you to get a ton of those matches now, and then I would love to see I want to see who who's going to be the guy for you. Like, you know, I, I've seen this with Ricochet and Osprey recently. They they've kind of become each other's guy, and and they don't even have to be around each other anymore. They've had a couple, and then they can branch out from there. You know, and I think everybody that has a good run finds that guy at some point. You know, like I thought Jerry Lynn and RVD. As much stuff as RVD had done, and even his stuff with other people. He got to Jerry Lynn and those two just did something different, you know? And it's like, I want to mm -hmm. see who your guy's going to be. That is that dude. Ooh, can uh, I make a prediction, Justin? Go for it. Mil Muertes. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I don't know if there's enough Band-Aids in the temple for that. Is that what, are they <laughs> building for that match? Is that what's what the delay's all about? All I know is that when people tell us to move out of the way, we're going to move the fuck out of the way. We should do a thing when we bring new people, we tell them don't listen to Mill. So So that they don't move out of the way and they just get killed? Yeah. Well, I mean, look, think about it realistically. Who's who's Cross gotta deal with in Lucha Underground? I mean, he's gotta he's gotta deal with Mill, he's gotta deal with Cobb or Matanza, whatever. He's gotta deal with some serious badasses, man. Like I don't envy them at all. Mm -hmm. I'd like to see you and Tejano go at it. Tell you, I, I'm down for Cross Matanza or Cross uh, Jeff Cobb. That I don't know why you mentioned them in the same sentence, Justin. What's wrong with you? But still, <laughs> I'd like to see you face either of those gentlemen that are not the same person. I have I broken taste, babe. Once too. again, I'm an asshole. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's weird that I think Luchas using Matanza's move set. It's I. I wouldn't do that. Matanza's a very dangerous person. Yeah, maybe Matanza is a Jeff Cobb fan. Maybe I, I think he is. I think I think he's uh, mimicked a little bit of his style, but only a little bit. Yeah, yeah. that's all. Oh, all right, so, dude. You have to plug. What's up with the merch? Yeah. Oh, th that is an excellent shirt, by the way. That is an excellent shirt. I have another shirt as well, though. This is the new one on ProWrestlingTees.com. It's a Killer Cross shirt. Have a look. ProWrestlingTees.com. That's the guy they don't want you to know about. I like that you Definitely. conveniently didn't uh, didn't put the camera angle too far down, so we didn't see who you were burying out there. Exactly. See, By that's how you tell. Plausible. Um, hey, um, we have a question in the chat room about the shirt. He wants to know, uh, Kevin, uh, Mister Killer, uh, if your new shirt is punk rock themed, um, perhaps specifically. Uh, I have to scroll up. We have a lot of stuff going on in the chat. Um, or I'm just, I'm not going to find the band, but it's a punk rock themed and specifically, is it themed after um, a specific shirt or a band that you're a fan of? 
Not necessarily, but I think most of the heavy metal shirts that I have in my closet are um, of this uh, color scheme, so to speak. Maybe something Emperor, um, mm-hmm. maybe Monomarth, Mayhem. Uh, I'm a huge metalhead. Um, perhaps something of that nature. I'm also a huge Jack Napier fan, for those of you who are DC nerds. Um, I A lot of my inspirations um, in terms of how Killer Cross people came from movies like American Psycho, Tim Burton's Batman with Jack Napier, uh, maybe Jean Reno from The Professional, uh, Tom Hardy, Bronson, uh, Mr. Hand from uh, uh, Darkity. I can't remember that guy's name. He's a very famous actor. He wrote Rocky Horror Picture Show. He had the long blonde hair. But uh, it's definitely movie-based. Very A lot of dark characters, I think, went into the design of the show Rock. Cool. That is awesome. That's a good. That's a good pedigree of influences right there for sure. You had me at Jack Napier, but still. <laughs> well, because you're the you're definitely you the fine, Jack. Nice. Had had me at uh, uh, American Psycho. <laughs> um. A big oh, th- there's another question in the chat room. I'm seeing. Um. Do you know our, our friend uh, Glenn over there, Mr. Disco Inferno? You guys hang yeah, out in Vegas? I know. Yeah, I know. Glenn is, uh, is a genius. I've said this before, and I'll say it again. I don't know if I've said it here, but Glenn has literally worked the planet into thinking that he is a complete clown so much that they are not able to make a departure from what he has projected to people. And uh, he's a wrestling genius. And I'm not trying to blow his gimmick or his cover, but uh, he actually was tremendous. He was a tell to me um, over time, basically figuring out what I should be doing in the ring with all of the things that I can do, how to optimize to get the most out of what I do for people. Um, he's an excellent teacher. And I will say that, uh, you know, when you, let's say when you go to the circus and you see a clown, you know, you look at him and you go, oh, there's the clown, he's an idiot. And, you know, he's doing stuff and you're laughing at him and this and that. The clown elicits the response from the audience. He's the maestro. He's a clown because he's led you to believe that he's a clown. Really, in reality, he's turning everyone in the audience into clowns. So remember that when you think of Disco Inferno. Hey, I will always be a fan of his for the figure four gimmick alone in the chart that he had that he lost when he didn't move. It was the greatest shit ever. I loved it so much. I, I said the other day, he needs to come back to 205, and he needs to just annihilate the cruiserweight division all over again. He's just got to show him what's up. Chartbusters <laughs> for everybody. Chartbusters. He is definitely a mark maker. He 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 just he can turn you into a mark very easily. And he can get you into a very right. nice club if you're in Vegas, if you look him up. Yeah, I think I've seen yes, him uh, uh, allegedly. Allegedly, allegedly, somewhere he was working. There might be lady folks listening to this, Byron. We don't want to tell them all of our secrets. <laughs> Just hey, well, one cool thing about uh, Disco Inferno's um, mark on the business uh, back when was it when Rockabilly was being teased by WWE, uh, the protege of Honky Talk Man? They used the silhouette of the Disco Inferno, and everyone thought that Glenn was going to jump. I I had the magazine that it was in, and I was so excited. And yeah. then we got Rockabilly, and I was so sad 
Rocky Billy was a letdown. We wanted disco. Yeah. Disco and hockey. You guys are yeah. amazing. Amazing old school <laughs> marks. <laughs> All three of you. This is what we would discuss in class when we were supposed to be doing schoolwork. Like, this legit. Yeah, once we learned all the curse words in Spanish, we had no use for Spanish class. All right, here's the here's the question of the day. We'll let we'll let Kevin participate in this question too. This is an MMA related question of the day. What are we going to see first? Connor versus Floyd Mayweather or GSP back in UFC? After all the rumors this week, <laughs> and for anyone who doesn't know, the rumors are that uh, GSP has pretty much signed a deal to come back to the UFC. The only hang-up right now is his USADA testing um, and what uh, level it's at right now for when he can actually participate in UFC, but it looks like it's a done deal. And it also looks like, uh, other than Connor clearing up a few things with the uh, Nevada State Athletic Commission to get himself a license, that Connor and Floyd have agreed on a price tag personally, and then they just need to get him his license and get him uh, to agree with the third parties. Who knows how difficult that might be? Justin, so my question Justin, can I throw in? Can I throw in choice number three? What's choice number three? The first poop stoppage for the new bowel control TKO rule that just passed. <laughs> That's a good rule. Did you read that rule? The rule basically states that you know, if you uh, you know, literally beat the shit out of your opponent, you win. That's fucking amazing. Defecate on yourself between rounds that you lose the fight due to a TKO. I think that's what about during the rounds? Why does it be between rounds? That's I think like, that's already a rule. I think the, oh. the rule that they're adding right now is that if you do it on the stool, you're also out. No, that shouldn't count. <laughs> it's in between rounds. Dude, I don't want Dookie anywhere in the octagon. It's uh, happened, bro. It's happened. A hole in the middle. You're drinking a water. You're I getting, know, you know. I know it's happened because I sent my friends the video over and over again when it happened. Yeah, and there's there's been some vomiting too. People get the adrenaline dump, and uh, there's been a lot of vomiting in the octagon and in various promotions as well. But why? why how did we get on this? Good lord! I was talking the about Are we going to see a poop stoppage before we see those fights? And the answer is maybe, maybe, Justin. Maybe, maybe. What if what if we see the poop stoppage in those fights? Oh, like if Mayweather shits himself? Um, I think Connor will shit himself before Mayweather. I don't know. I don't know. They We've never have, tested the bowels of these gentlemen. They should Wait, have the stipulation. We do the barbershop debate about the fight after we determine whether or not we think we're even going to see the fight. Do you guys honestly think that this thing is going to go down or do you think we're going to see gsp you know getting back into the octagon before that which one do you think is going to happen first go byron i and think being that brock lesnar is retiring because that's the only mma news that i know right now Great. That's why we started with you. All right. Well, Kevin yeah. or Casey, either one of you guys. Oh, let, let, let the killer do this one because I think we're going to agree. I, I think uh, we're going to see Connor and Mayweather. Uh, reason being is because St. Pierre was making such an extraordinary amount of money on sponsorships and endorsements prior to Reebok getting involved with Ultimate Fighting Championship and monopolizing that source of revenue. Yeah. And I think that for him, it is not only a step backwards, but it's like doing a backflip off of a cliff backwards. Uh, 
fighting for this ridiculously small amount of money. Now, that doesn't mean that they haven't worked something out special for him. You know, maybe it's pay-per-view bias. Maybe it's something that Connor is doing. But, um, you know, he is responsible for the Open Fighting Championship being a franchise in Canada because that's what these companies do. Boxing has been doing that forever. They find people from places and they attempt usually attempt to protect them with fights that complement their style so they can break into that demographic and market. Uh, they have a lot of fighters in Canada right now, and I don't feel like there would be really any sort of reason for the company to give him someone they know they can roll over. It's probably going to be a, like a super death fight. It's going to be a guy that it could go 50-50 or St. Pierre will be at a disadvantage. Now, with all that being taken into consideration, is this corner going to encourage him to take that fight for less money than he's ever fought for? Well, I don't know. Uh, on the other hand, uh, McGregor uh, wants money, doesn't need money, but wants to do something significant in his career, like fighting Mayweather. Uh, whether that'll happen in the octagon or in a boxing ring, who knows? I would say a boxing ring, because again, Floyd's not going to take a step down and pay to get into a, an actual, you know, anything goes essentially fight. Um, and I, I, I'm a huge Conor McGregor fan, despite his views and perception on wrestling. I could care less. Um, doesn't bother me. Uh, I oh, think he's going to get smashed out. Yeah, it is. It really is. I mean, anyone who really actually emotionally invests in him attacking wrestling is they're getting worked. So, he's but doing um, it so he I has think, a third job option for later. I think exactly. Um, yeah, I think it's. I think we're going to see Mayweather, Mayweather, and McGregor before St. Pierre comes back. I think you might be right. Um, you know, the St. Pierre thing is interesting, and I I completely agree with you. I think, however, after they lost Rory McDonald, who was their their next Canadian flagship, and they just didn't really want to pay his price, I think it was a little short-sighted on the new owner's part. I think they were just like, what's the price tag on this kid, and who's he fought? No, we're not paying that. Um, Dude, I think Dana, I think What's wrong with them? He was I know, and I think Dana fighters. knew it, but I think that the new owners are, are kind of trying to draw a hard line right now because they're they're not in the black. They got some big loans to pay off. You know, Ari Emanuel's not a, a stupid guy. He wants to pay money back. He's looking at it as a business, and he's like, yeah, the kid's a name or whatever, but if you're not telling me he's one of the top stars right now, then I'm not paying him that. Um, and right. I think then they turned around, and then they had that Toronto card where they couldn't make anything happen, and then it was like, you know, hey, what's the prefix for uh, Montreal? Let's call up our boy GSP and see what we can do here because that last Toronto show didn't make us jack, and we need to get back in the black here, folks. So I think that I, I agree with you. I think it's going to take until fall at least or later. Um, we'll be lucky if it's 2017 before the GSP thing actually manifests. I don't think it's going to be 2017, dude. I, and I, I feel I feel like the Connor thing is highly accelerated right now. When the NASAC yeah. came out and said that they were meeting with Connor because Connor wanted to discuss having his uh, fines overturned for the bottle throwing incident, sure. like these guys, they're they're the real players. I mean, they they've been dealing with you know, mobs and fight fixes and all sorts of crazy shit for a long time. So if the NASAC is willing to start even talking and playing ball with Connor, I think that's code for the fact that a deal is pretty much done to bring him to Nevada, to bring billions of dollars in mm -hmm. to make something happen. Yes. We're talking an industry that is global here that, that wants something to happen and big, big money, like the real big money wants something to happen. And that's an unstoppable force at a certain point, whether Dana likes it, whether Ari Emanuel likes it, you mm. know, once that kind of 
power gets behind an event, it just has to happen. So I feel like it's going to happen at this point, even if it's the most absurd thing ever. I wish it was kickboxing personally, because yeah, I feel yeah. like you give Connor the one extra advantage being able to throw kicks, but you don't let him go so far as being able to take Floyd down. Um, so it kind of evens the, fla- the the playing field a little bit, but it'll never happen. It'll be a straight up boxing match. It'll be WBC yeah. rules. Um, I haven't I haven't looked up the uh, the reach advantage on on who has what, but I'll tell you, I noticed that of, man, I feel like a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago, I noticed that Connor was always up on his reach with the majority of his fights. And I know the casual fan doesn't really pay attention to stuff like that because they go to the bar, they order it, and there's a collection of people at the house, and they're talking between the fights, not paying attention to any of the statistics. But you know, um, Connor's in the position that he's in because of his reach. And uh, obviously he fights southpaw, everyone knows that. He can fight ambidextrous, we've seen that. But if he doesn't have that reach, um, that style where he sits back on his counterpunching, it doesn't do him any favors, and we've seen that. And he gets blown um, fighting guys with the same reach, close to, or more. So, like as I said, I, I don't know what Mayweather's reach is right off the top of my head, but um, pay attention to that moving forward because... I mean, even with Mayweather being at a disadvantage for reach, if that is the case, we're talking about a guy that comes around once in a lifetime. As much as people don't like Mayweather, you can't take anything away from his accomplishments. You really can't. It is what it is. So, Yeah, I think Connor might actually have him by an inch or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, like He's got a little bit of a reach advantage. Um, but the problem is I also don't think Floyd's going to come forward into that counterpunching. I don't see it happening. Floyd's going to be moving mm-hmm. right on him and coming around the side of his head um, mm-hmm. if he's coming at him at all. And I don't, I don't know if Connor's ever experienced anything like that. As good as a, a boxer for MMA as he is, that's another level, you know. And as much yeah. as I think Floyd is actually past his prime, it doesn't matter. That guy has a, a kind of lateral movement that I don't know that Connor can even accurately train for until he gets in there. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe if he can survive a couple rounds and feel him out and learn something on the go, he might have a chance. Maybe he puts one big one on him. I think the other disadvantage for Connor that he is not taking into consideration is the gloves themselves. Mm-hmm. It's like, bro, you are damn good at putting somebody's lights out with four ounces. But what happens when you get up into eight and 10 and 12 ounce gloves? Like it's a whole different world. And you know that Kevin from training, it's like yeah. you, you, you feel your reach different. You're, you're coming forward different. And the way you have to connect with a full boxing glove on to really put somebody's lights out is completely different than an MMA glove. The first time I got touched with an MMA glove, I I didn't know what was going on. It was a whole different world. And I had kickboxed for a long time. And it was like, oh, my God, what is this little tiny brick that just hit me in the face? This is not cool. Yeah, it feels like someone takes a rock and just slingshots it into your face point blank. It's just different. You're totally right. And... uh, yeah, it changes your footwork. It changes your range. It's it's very very different. And for some people too, they're sensitive uh, in their shoulder fibers. The gloves weigh more as well. So some people actually they get tired faster, having you know depending on their hand position and stuff like that. But Connor cannot do that that one hand up and the one hand down to invite a guy like that in. He's going to have to mm-hmm. fight completely different. His hands are going to have to be up at all times. Floyd's going to be coming in and out. Lateral movements, as you said, um, it's not a fight that's going to complement Connor. But you know, in all candor, he may actually know that. And he may just want to make history like Anoki did with Muhammad Ali or, you know, something like it's a freak show fight. He may be very well aware of that and may just try to survive and tell everyone to go get fucked when the scorecards come out. 
I wish we lived in that era of Ali and Anoki, and it could be truly the spectacle it deserves to be, like even more so. It might be because, really, I mean, we were talking about narratives earlier. If Connor already knows what the narrative is coming out of that, I mean, you look at some of the stuff that Chael Sonnen has done. If if you know how to write the story, if you know how to craft it, and it helps being a little bit of a heel, because you can craft a little bit of a, a more creative story when you're a heel. Um, yeah, but which one of these guys is the bigger heel? Seriously, this uh, is. Yeah. I mean, uh, well, when you look at it, it'll be Connor because he'll be coming into yeah. Floyd's world. Mm, it'll be the gotcha. brash young guy that thinks he can come in and box and use the sweet science on somebody. That's the story they're going to go with. And then Connor, at the end of the day, if he has the right narrative of, yeah, look at how good I did. This guy could never come to my world and do that good. He'll come out with some kind of narrative like that. Like, this guy could never grapple me as good as I boxed him, even if I lost. You mm -hmm. know, if he comes with some narrative like that and has that already in mind, and, and he probably does, his wheels are already probably spinning, then it's not going to matter. Wins and losses don't matter if you come out with the right story. I mean, yeah. there's guys that I will pay money to see fight any day of the week. Cowboy Cerrone. Do you know what happened to Cowboy's last fight? He got knocked out really bad, didn't he? Yeah, I mean, it's like, but does anybody care what happened? Are you not going to go to the next Cowboy Cerrone fight? It was, like his, it was like his 10th fight in 10 months or some shit. I mean, well, come on. And there's the narrative. There's the narrative. That's part of what Cowboy does as a fighter in a shoot sport where he's actually legit taking damage, but he still knows the narrative. The narrative for him is I'm a people's champion. I'm a beer drinking, good time having guy. I'm going to go in there and fight as much as humanly possible. People know that I'm a prize fighter and they know I'm going to throw down every time they see me. So the story is you can't ever count me out because I'm up for a fight at any point in time and I will come in there and I will lay leather on anybody for any reason as long as there's a paycheck at the end of it. And people love it. The guy has created a narrative for himself where yeah. he was the top paid guy in WEC when he had no belt. I mean, when you think about that, that's impressive. In a small promotion that was side-owned by Zufa, he was making the most money yeah. with no belt. Yep. You look at look at Anoki, dude. Like he built so much and got so much rub off of that horrible to watch Ali fight, mm -hmm. and uh, with the weird ending. And he got he built his whole career around it. He's got people in Japan chanting Anoki Bumaye all the time, and like all this stuff. And it's because of that fight, and uh, it's just insane. Like that that helped cement his legacy as like this king of martial arts in Japan, not just like a king of pro wrestling, you know, it's, it's, you know, if he can, if Connor can do a fraction of that with this, he's set for life. Yes. Yeah, he is. So, I mean, I find it interesting. It's look, it's barbershop talk. It is. And that's the best part about it. I mean, it's, it's one of these things. And this is what I loved about wrestling as a kid. I mean, you come up with these fantasy bookings and these fantasies, fantasy ideas. And, you know, when they can actually happen, when you actually get one of those moments, oh, it's man. tremendous. And a lot of people think that the whole Connor Floyd thing is stupid, but I think it's great. I think, you know, it captures people's imagination. It's just fun. It's good stuff. And, and it's entertaining. And, and people forget that, yes, it's a sport, boxing, MMA, wrestling. Yes. 
They're athletic. They require athletes. But at the same time, you're still watching it to be entertained. You're still watching the NFL to be entertained, NBA to be entertained. And the better the matchup is, the better, the bigger the storyline is, the bigger the hype is around it. I don't care if it's deflate gate or the fact that it's somebody winning their fifth Super Bowl. When you put those stories in there, it makes the whole thing more fun. You know, and maybe that's just me as a storyteller myself. And, you know, maybe that's why I like wrestling so much, because there's a story there, not just the violence. Um, did did yeah, you, any of you guys watch this last UFC? All this controversy about the Holly Holm, Jermaine Durandry fight? I caught, I caught the highlights of it. Um, I, uh, I don't really know what to say about it. I mean, I, I'm a huge fan of an underdog in general. Um, I love seeing the person that people count out coming up. I think um, it's a story that we need to see. It's a story we need to believe in. And it's a story that needs to be told because uh, life is hard, you know, and it comes down to like a, a societal satire perception of lower class, middle class, and upper class. Um, I, I don't know, man. It's, it's like, I think I would have liked to have seen Holly get her hand raised. But when you look at the scoring, I mean, what, what can you say? I mean, was the scoring inaccurate? I don't know. It seemed like she was up on uh, shots to the head, the girl who won. Her name's yeah, Jermaine Durandamy. She, she definitely was. And it was weird because I, I was sitting there and I was kind of trying to score the fight, but I was watching it too. So I wasn't like really intently trying to score it. But I actually had Holly up, but I think I gave a little more credence to her octagon control or whatever you want to call that because she was trying to get these single legs and she was pushing her up against the fence a lot but she wasn't causing any damage and she wasn't getting shots in. And mm -hmm. I think the, the judges were just like, well, if she's not causing any damage or getting any shots in, she's basically stalling. Mm -hmm. So we're giving those to Jermaine. Whereas I gave one of those, I know to Holly. Um, but what I did think was interesting was there were these punches that came after the bell and um, people are right and wrong about this. A lot of people were like, well, there, there should have been a point taken away. But everyone has to understand that in the unified MMA rules, um, which sadly I have read several times because <laughs> I'm that kind of nerd, um, it says that the round is over when the ref hears the bell and stops the two fighters. So technically, even if a fighter hears the bell and throws a punch, if the ref hasn't put their hand in there or made the motion to put their hand in there, it's actually still a legal shot at the ref's discretion. So it's like in school when the teacher says the bell doesn't dismiss you, I dismiss you. It is. It's just like that. It is. Because the way the rules are stated is because of the fact that a fighter may not hear um, the bell, um, you know, the referee is the one. Now, the funny thing is, what if the referee can't hear the shit? I mean, what if the crowd is so deafening or something's going on? And weird things have happened like that before. But... I do think that Holly Holm, who is now disputing the fight officially, she's going she's gonna to try mm -hmm. to dispute the, the result, um, which I don't know what that means because at best um, she might get a point taken away from Jermaine and that makes it a draw. So then what? We have no champ? That's even worse. Um, I just think it's a strange situation, but it, it did happen in the first round. Um, Jermaine reached with a punch very late, and I thought she clearly heard the bell on that one. The ref didn't really strongly admonish her, just kind of gave her a little like, hey, I thought that was clean, but, you know, ease up. And then she did it the round right after that, and it it's it looked like she was in the middle of a flurry, but she still let it go a little too fast. And the ref actually looked like he got in between that one and she kept going. 
for at least one or two shots. I think mm -hmm. that he should have taken a point, but he didn't. And it's his discretion whether or not he wants to take a point. That's what the rules say. So I don't know how you argue it or fight it when it says the rules, it's up to the ref. You're like, maybe that, maybe he really felt the first one was clean and the second time was the time he gave her a, a stronger warning. But it was just kind of weird. And there's this weird controversy around it, around a belt that a lot of people didn't think should even exist without Cyborg anyway. And to tell you the truth, watching these two fights, and I love Holly Holm, by the way, love her to death. Think she's amazing um but watching those two fight i was looking at that and going dear lord save whoever wins because if they actually have to fight cyborg oh, they are toast <laughs> yeah mm -hmm. like come on who who wants to be who wants to win that belt like maybe holly <laughs> lost on purpose <laughs> they shouldn't be disputing. I think disputing a match result in court is a shitty precedent to be setting. Yeah, just with the, with the athletic commission. I mean, she, you know, but you can't let yourself get pushed around either. It was like the, the this was in New York, um, in Brooklyn, and they have very new referees and judges. They tried to get uh, Big John in, but he already had an obligation that weekend. Um, and there was a lot of stuff that happened that day. Like a lot of people disputed the Anderson Silva, Derek Brunson fight. I actually thought the Silva won. I was surprised that so many people were upset that he didn't. I just, yeah. I had it for him. Um, I didn't think that Brunson lost terribly. I thought it was a 29, 28 fight, but I had it for him. Um, you know, and, and I'm not an uneducated viewer and I wasn't just, uh, riding the Anderson hype train. Like, look, I'm a guy who wanted Bisping to beat Silva. <laughs> you know, I like Brunson too, but I just thought that I thought that Silva won. But there were some things that were, were questionable throughout the night with the judges. Um, so New York's new, though, man. It's like, look, MMA fans and, and people in the MMA industry, they clamored to get into the state of New York forever. It was the last place really on the earth that should be a big fight town that didn't have fights. And here we are in Brooklyn. And, you know, even Dana White was pissed about it not being that good. I thought Dana was blowing it out of proportion. I actually liked the card. And in fact, it made me like it less when Dana White came out afterwards and said that he didn't like it. I think that that was yeah. a bad PR move on his part. I agree. Like, who yeah. does that? I mean, and maybe it's because I, I have a lot of connections to the wrestling world, too. Like, if you're a promoter, you just don't ever come out and say your show was shitty, even if it was. Right. Say it was the greatest thing <laughs> in the history of the sport. I mean, you don't have to overblow it either. You can say you were disappointed with certain things. Like, I don't think Dana should have been quiet about the fact if he was uh, upset with some of the judging or the refing or whatever. But he right. only gave out three fight bonuses um, and was basically insulting his own guys and his own people. Yeah. He's done that before, too. And I, I really uh, turns my stomach when stuff like that happens. If anyone should have their back, it should be him. Uh, regardless of the circumstances, he can, he can um, coach them if you want to put it politely, uh, privately, about how they should or shouldn't conduct themselves. Because a company like that, we really should be very much uh, family orientated in terms of how they're taking care of one another because they're all making money together. So I agree, it's, it's, never, it's never, never good for business. There, there's, there's things that he can provide explanations or reasons as to way, you know, why things look the way they did or why they look the way they didn't. Um, and yeah, he's he's notorious for that. He gets on these tantrums and just, you know, runs people into the ground. Yeah, you know, that's why he doesn't have a, That's why he doesn't. He loses loyalty across the board from a lot of people because like, oh, that'll be me one day, you know. 
And it, and it's a shame that the Fertitas are gone too because I think they mitigated that a lot. I mean, they yeah. they brought more of the old world family style of doing things like, look, he's one of us. He's this is our guy. This is how we're gonna do this with this guy. Even if he fucked up, we're gonna give him the rub a little bit. We'll talk to him in private. And we'll shine him up, put him back out there. And if he does it again, you know, we'll put him we'll put him out to pasture or whatever. I, you know, it's just a different mentality. But it's all family until you really really step in it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And you guys know what I'm talking about. I mean, it's it's obvious where they where they got this style from. Um, but anyway, I, I thought it was a decent card, and Dana White hated it, so forget him. Um, there's a Fedor fight this weekend. I know you're looking forward to that, Casey. Fedor yeah. versus Meat Matt Mitrione. What the hell's gonna happen there? Um, I I want Fedor to win. I, I'm not gonna talk about what's what might happen. I'm gonna talk about what I want to happen. <laughs> You want Fader to win? Okay, so work with me here for a second. I want Fader to lose, first of all, and I'll tell you why in a second. But you want Fador to win. Why? What what is the path for Fador winning? What happens after he wins? I get happy, Justin. I smile <laughs> a sliver of joy in the sadness that is life is what I get out of the him winning, Justin. I want Fador to lose. You just don't want Russia to hack you anymore, Byron. <laughs> I want Casey to be sad. Oh, you're a dick. What about you, Kevin? Do you care one way or the other? I hope Fedor wins. Uh, I live vicariously through that guy since I was probably like 13 or 14 years old. But uh, I've seen Mitrione in person. I've seen Mitrione training in person. Um, that guy is faster than he should be for his weight, for his size. He's an athlete, uh, a multi-sport athlete who knows to pay attention to detail. He's a detail-oriented athlete. So he is that guy where when he's watching tape with his coaches, he's going to make note of how much weight you have on your lead foot or your back foot, and he's going to be able to watch uh, when you're breathing out between your punches, and he's going to tag you um, in the most unflattering times. Uh, I believe that Fedor is going to move in with a very traditional combo that he throws. He throws his hooks very high. He loops them. It's a Sambo style with a four and five ounce. He's going to get knocked out on the way in really fucking bad. And um, it's not something I want to happen, but Mitrion is too big and too fast for him. And like I said, when you're dealing with an athlete that's attention to detail orientated, um, this is just not a good time for Fedor to take a fight like that. And I, I really, really wish he, there was some way that he could win this fight but he has no shot in my opinion Absolutely well, and and see and this is like what you guys were talking about with with di with disco inferno mitrion plays a little bit of a character guys he plays a meathead character he is so much smarter than people really know and i think he's gonna have fedor's number and i think that bellator is grooming uh their new heavyweight title for him uh, i think they're really invested in him he's gonna be a star for them and the other reason why I think it would actually be kind of cool if Fedor loses, and hopefully competitively, but you never know, he might just get clocked clean. Um, I think that Chael, as underweight as he is to be fighting Fedor, I think that Chael will fight Fedor uh, for the second of two fights that Fedor has on his Bellator contract if he loses. I think that's pretty much already mm -hmm. the plan. I think that Chael will get his, his comeuppance with Vanderlei, and he better beat him. <coughs> And then he'll go and do a job to Fedor, and Fedor will go out and retire on top after beating Chael. Um, yep. 
And I don't know that that's saying that it's a work or whatever. I just kind of feel like that's the the narrative and the storyline they have going at Bellator. I think that Chael will do that. He's going to be a company guy, and he's going to be around long after uh, Fedor is. I think Mitrion's going to be around with them a long time after Fedor's gone. So I think, you know, Fedor is going to get his rub and he's going to get his moment, but it's going to be against Chael and not Mitrion because I think Chael has places to go after that. They'll feed Chael a couple tomato cans and then he'll retire after Fedor because I think he's on five fights. Um, if if Fedor doesn't completely put him into oblivion, we'll see. But I think that that's the fight that you're going to get if Fedor loses. Now, if Fedor wins and all of a sudden they have to resurrect the uh, Bellator belt and put it onto Fedor, that changes a lot of things. That's a big deal, and that that makes everything in the whole world kind of wonky if he wins, believe it or not. that That's going to throw Scott Coker for a loop. And I know that's going to make Casey happen. Casey loves yeah. the chaos. You're an anarchist, bro. <laughs> you know, nothing makes me happier than to see MMA promoters have to scramble for a new plan. But Scott Coker is like the nicest of all the MMA promoters ever. I don't want to see Scott have to scramble. He's already working with you know, very damaged goods and trying to make the best out of a, a, a tough, tough situation that he was left by that other guy. <laughs> mm, true. But I just really like Fedor more than chaos. And that's a lot. That's a all lot, right. Justin. All right, all right. Okay, so my last my last little hypothetical here in the MMA world. Um, Bisbing and the 185 belt in UFC and this whole situation. Uh, obviously, Yoel Romero wants his shot at the belt. Um, obviously, if Bisping has uh, three or four brain cells left in his head, he doesn't want any part of Yoel Romero. No, but he's not. but he's smart enough now to be saying, "Look, if Yoel's the number one guy, I'll take it." But he's also smart to be saying, "If GSP comes back, I'll take that fight." Um, I just don't think GSP is going to be back soon enough for him to take it. I think Luke Rockhold's going to do the Jacare thing, which I. I love, and at the same time, I think that's the end of Luke Rockhold's career. I think Jacare is going to do bad things to Rockhold if if Rockhold's knees even make it to the fight. Um, but that ties up this 185 division. I mean, you got Johnny Hendricks coming up there now to try to make a run, but dear Lord, he missed weight last time and, and, and lost a decision that he should have won, but it wasn't pretty. I don't know that he's going to be a player at 185. And it's like the whole 185 thing is you've got Bisping, who earned the championship, but at the same time, everybody knows is not going to be able to hold it for very long, no matter what. And I think he's included in that. I mean, what does is, what is Bisbing do now? Like, this is a very, very weird division because it's got a guy at the top that doesn't really seem like the top guy. Uh, I would say Bisping's style definitely 100% does not match well with Romero's. Um, you can't give Yoel Romero distance and time to think because he's totally cool with getting in and getting out with power shots. Um, and you're definitely not to close the distance on this thing because Romero was about 30 years stronger than him. Um, so, I mean, in my opinion, the only way that Bisping's going to pull a W out of that is if somehow he's able to get his back and he's able to choke him. But Romero has a grappling background. So the likelihood of that happening is slim to none. He's not going to outstrike Romero. And if he tries to, Romero will inevitably catch up with him after Bisping gasses himself. 
Um, you know, his hips are going to get tired, his knees are going to get tired, moving laterally, moving backwards, and it will be inevitable when his back is against the fence. And Romero only needs one power shot to haul off on him, and he's out. Uh, as for Bisping fighting St. Pierre, um, who knows how St. Pierre is going to be coming in? I don't think anyone can call that. If it's the same St. Pierre we always used to see, then St. Pierre is going to grind out a decision. Um, but, you know, that, that up-down uh, pace that St. Pierre put people through, getting up off the ground and standing up and having to anticipate that and getting hit, you know, in the middle of getting up and down, it's psychologically exhausting, also physically exhausting. I, I think Bisping loses both of those fights. But if, you know, St. Pierre comes in with no sense of urgency, he's old man St. Pierre, then maybe Bisping will get the W on him. Yeah, I mean, look, either way, at the end of the rainbow is waiting the Yoel Romero sandwich. So it's just like, and that's the unfortunate thing. It's like, it doesn't matter. Eventually, I see that pretty much being Yoel's belt at this point in time. Um, and it's just a question of when he's going to actually get the title fight. You know, the, the only thing these guys could really be hoping for is that he pops hot at this point. Like, yeah. like injured training or something yeah yeah like can he Khabib Nurmagomedov himself and be injured and in, at Ramadan for like two years so that nobody has to fight him <laughs> so like the only that's the only good scenario for anybody at 185 pounds um you know and what's the what's the backup it's like the backup is you got to fight Jacare or rejuvenated Weidman or Rockhold like, like it's terrible for everyone um, I feel bad for yeah. every guy at 185 right now, and I can't yeah, believe that they'd have to push Jacare, and they're not going to push Jacare. So, <sighs> well, yeah, the Jacare thing is weird. I mean, like, look, this fight, Dana wasn't that impressed, but he was fighting Tim Boach. Like, he was supposed yeah. to win. He was supposed to do exactly what he did, and he did it. It wasn't like these are the fights we need more of. It's just a tune-up, guys. <laughs> you know, a ranked guy, not a pushover. Tim Boach's not a pushover. He could catch you and put you out, but. You know, sixteen to one. Jock Ray's supposed to win that fight. Yeah, and it's it's what I predicted on the show, so I'm happy that he would beat him so badly that he would have to change his name from the Barbarian to the Destroyer and be named after the inferior Conan movie. <laughs> oh, <it's> terrible! <laughs> like, look, I I, I like Tim Bar uh, Tim uh, the Barbarian, um, but you know he's he's a second tier gatekeeper. You know, honestly, and and he knows that. Like, pay the guy. He gets his extra bonuses for having been around so long. He gets more Reebok money than everyone else because he's had more fights. And, uh, you know, I think he's good with it. He's gotten to fight some top names. And and you know what? The next guy he comes up against, he might catch him. I'd like to see Boach versus Rockhold. <laughs> that yeah, fight I'd, I'd like. That'd be fun. Um, oh, I don't know, speaking, speaking of Luke Rockhold... Let's let's all just not talk about Demi Lovato being on the red carpet of the Grammys by herself. What's Did up he stand with that? Her I bet it was his knee. I bet he couldn't walk the red carpet. Maybe she was by herself, dude. That's all I know. Maybe maybe Fez from that '70s show is getting back in there. I don't know. <laughs> maybe they should fight it out. What, what is happening? This has gone. This has gone from like a legit MMA <laughs> conversation to to who's. From MMA to TMZ, only on the MMM show. Boom. Um, oh, so speaking of Johnny Hendricks at 185, he's fighting Hector Lombard this weekend. Welcome to 185. Like how that's just doesn't even I wouldn't even take that fight. I love Johnny. Johnny's Johnny's a, a friend, and and that just I hate what's going on with him. I hate every bit of it. I hope he's done some sit-ups before this fight. 
Well, he doesn't need to. He's at 185 now. Oh, that's true. He's fine. Yeah, okay. it's like, yeah. don't put down the Dunkin' Donuts, Johnny. Drink a Budweiser, and I hope to God you're half unconscious when you get in there with Hector Lombard. He better, he better wear three mouth guards for that fight because uh, that's like, yeah, what you said. Like, they're probably the last person that you probably want to in your introductory battle. It seems like they're trying to get rid of the guy. You know what I mean? I mean, they're giving him fights that uh, – the fact of the matter is, in, in all prize fighting – they all get to a level where it's going to be killer versus killer, so to speak. But, you know, when they see an investment in someone, they, like I said, and it's in all of it, it's been, they've been doing this forever. They do give them fights that are going to complement their style because they see something, but I don't think he's gotten any of those fights and those fights are still available for him, but they're giving him all the people that are like death murderers. Like, I mean, he's, he's also <laughs> asking for it. Though. He's asking for it. Literally. Oh, he's, a, he's a two-time NCAA champion. And he's a guy that is looking for the hardest fight. He believes uh, genuinely he is, that he is 100% at the top of his game and that, that that 170 belt was his. He lost it on a fluke and that, you know, he can be right in there with the best guys in the world any day of the week. So he's going to Dana and saying, give me these guys, which is part of the issue because Dana is going to say, all right, bro, you're one of my former champions. You're a draw. You're a name. You want to fight this guy? I'm going to pop a number. If you can do that two or three more times for me, I get my equity out of you. Um, yeah. Maybe not the smartest thing for you, but hey, if that's what you want, here you go. Here's Hector Lombard. Welcome to 185. See if you can take this guy down. And if Johnny can do it, and he has passed the victory, if he works his single leg, if he works his ground and pound and he keeps it simple and makes the fight very boring for us as fans, he can very easily win this fight. Um, right. But at the same time, it's like, dear Lord, man, why do you want to fight Hector Lombard when you're coming off of missing weight and not having a spectacular performance? I know you want to get back in there and erase that, but damn, dude, you could pick a slightly easier path to the Emerald City. It reminds me, it reminds me of Lieben when Lee asked for these like murder fights, but sometimes he pull through on them, like a Vandalay. I mean, uh, uh, hopefully he pulls through because he definitely will be the underdog in that fight with all due respect to him. Yeah, I, I think so. Uh, we'll see. Who else is on this card? Um, let's see. I think Elias Theodoro is going to grind out a win over Mutanch, in my opinion, but a lot of people have uh, Cesar Fiera moving ahead in that one. We'll see. I don't know why Carla Esparza and Randa Marcos is on the prelims when you've got Sarah McMahon and... Uh, Gina Danger Masny on uh, the main card. I find that strange. Like, is Cookie Monster really just not rating anymore? Like, that's, I feel bad for her. Um, the other big fight, the, the headliner, of course, is uh, the Black Beast, Derek Lewis versus Travis Brown. Um, now, Travis Brown has not been training with Edmund for this fight, you know, and Casey and that's I have good. given Edmund a lot of shit um, for yeah, the Ronda thing. And, and I also want to point out that Holly Holm now has more losses and, and to, than Ronda Rousey to lesser opponents. I just want to point mm -hmm. that out. Everyone talks shit about Ronda all the time, and not that I'm defending how she looked in her last fight, but I, I don't want to take away from the greatness of what Ronda did because she beat some fucking game, game opponents, and she beat the brakes off of them. And I Absolutely. think people are starting to forget that because of how bad she looked in that last fight. But I really think that Edmund failed to take her to the next level. She needed to get out of there. So we'll see if this works for Travis. Travis is with Black House MMA now. Um, I don't know if that's completely going to be the answer. Uh, he's He traveled around more before he was with Edmund 
before he was dating Rhonda anyway, though. So, um, you know, we'll see. But Derek Lewis, dear Lord, this is another one where it's like, well, you want to be back in the picture, Travis? Here you go. Here's Derek Lewis. Yeah. Have at it. Good luck. This guy, you know, is putting people in coffins. I think this is out. legit them not liking Travis Brown, but yeah. Um, maybe. I don't know because, you know, Dana is great friends with Rhonda, and if he's Rhonda's boyfriend, yeah. but maybe maybe Dana's jealous. Just saying. <laughs> now we're going TMZ. Again. Oh, yeah. hello. Hey, TMZ. How you doing? <laughs> um <laughs> But yeah, I, I don't. I, I I mean, I've got Derek Lewis in that fight. I've I, easy money as far as I'm concerned. Me too. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see. Like you never know, man. A fighter can switch a camp, and it can really make a difference, or it can really take them downhill. A lot of times, that first fight at a new camp is really tough, though, because you're dealing with a different level of instruction. If they try to change too many things too fast, it just becomes confusing for a fighter, um, or they just stop listening to the corner in the middle of the fight anyway, because they know they've got to switch back into a certain mode. Um, but then there's other times where it's like, if a camp is smart, they can give that fighter the one or two little things that their other coach was missing. Find that one new angle or that one new skill that they're better at training that can really propel somebody to the next level. Um, yeah. So we'll see. <laughs> but that's this weekend. Fedor is the, uh, the Bellator card and that's on uh that's on saturday these are weird times for fights so that's on saturday and uh patricky pitbull versus uh josh thompson's on that also and check congo versus ollie thompson josh oh, somebody's is also gonna get on that kicked card. in the dick yeah yeah <laughs> that's an interesting for for bellator man bellator's picking up steam guys that's an interesting mm -hmm. fight. You got a lot of their current talent facing off against old UFC talent now. Mm -hmm. um, and if their current guys, you know, if Patricky Pitbull can can beat up uh, Thompson, that's a big deal. I think mm -hmm. that's a big deal for, for Bellator. It makes them look really, really good. And it could very well happen. Um, both of those guys have the same amount of losses. Um, obviously, Josh Thompson has fought tougher opponents. Um in his career, so he's got a little more experience, but he's also a little more over the hill and weathered because of it. So, Patricky, uh, I have that fight pretty even. I, I don't really even have a winner. I, I didn't pick a winner for that thing. Um, that's interesting. So, and then you got UFC on Sunday this week, Casey, because for the rest of us, Monday's a holiday. Yeah, I got to work Monday. <laughs> Six, in Six in the morning. That means you got to get up at like 4.30. Yep, 4.30. That's Good simple. times. Welcome, Welcome to having a shoot life, brother. Mm -hmm. <laughs> But where else can I afford to get cool, sunny, cheap? <laughs> true that, true that. Already chopping a bull. Um, Kevin, plug stuff, man. Is there anything you need to plug, brother? Uh, like we talked about that YouTube channel, if anyone's ever unfamiliar with me um, or wants to see more of me, I have almost like 60, maybe even 70 videos up on YouTube chronicling uh, what I've been doing in my career on the indies. I was even developing a... Uh, like a uh, short film series that I'll be doing more of shortly. And uh, on Twitter, I'm at Across the World. Instagram, I'm at Cross is going to kill you because I may actually will. <laughs> and uh, I have a Facebook page, fan page, and then a personal page. Feel free to add me and go to ProWrestlingTees.com and buy this fucking shirt. And I'm not fucking kidding. I really need you to buy this shirt. And it's no longer a game. Byron wants to... Uh... Byron wants to know how much he can pay you to chop him. No. 
Well, I thought you said you wanted to pay cross. I to thought you wanted shop. to feel what a backdrop driver felt like, Byron. Oh, I'm in. Uh, I mean, I'm in Florida. I wish I could help you guys out. Well, um, gee, I like to do throw chops. So, if you're into that, we can try that. No. Well, hold his arms. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so ECW hy hypotheticals, <laughs> you versus uh, uh, Madison. Yes. What's his What's his name there, uh, Casey? The Luchasaurus. Oh yeah, Vibora, Vibora. That's, that needs that's, to happen. That needs to happen, right? Is that going to be some fire? Absolutely, uh, especially uh, if we cross that bridge in the temple one day. That's going to be something really insane. That match will happen. Uh, where it will happen is yet to be seen, but I think yeah, that will be a other places too. I could see you guys doing that in a you know a PCW or a PWG or something like that. I could see I could see that match happening before Lucha Underground because he's been out there working uh, too, and I know fun. you guys. Yeah, he got himself a cool mask, man. It's not his Lucha Underground mask; it's the Luchasaurus mask. Smart business. Good yeah, spend him on that one. Because sometimes I sometimes I'm a little mean. <laughs> You're mean. I just trademarked Killer Cross while we're sitting here. <sighs> I trademarked Killer Cross in Finland. I'm being a dick. Ignore me. Completely ignore me. <laughs> I can't help it sometimes, man. Sometimes I just gotta throw a little, just a little shot, like a little BB shot. There's yeah. a there's a TM on that shirt, Justin. I can see it. There's <laughs> only a TM on his fist. I'm not trying to steal Cross's gimmick. Are you kidding me? I'm not stupid. <laughs> Um. All right, so that would be a good matchup. I think some I th was Alberto asking about that in the chat room. Was anybody else had anything else for for Cross before we let him go? No, man. Some... Thank you. This was awesome, dude. We got to talk some MMA. We got to talk some poop stoppage. We got to talk mm -hmm. some wrestling. It was great. We got to talk some Jack Napier. And Byron still doesn't know who we're talking about. I know. I know. We're I'm old friends with Jack Napier. I know who Jack <laughs> Napier is. Then smile, motherfucker. Exactly. <laughs> Byron, you're my number one guy. I, I don't know why you're being weird right now. I was going to say, um, if this was you guys, anyone listening as well, I want to say thank you for voting for me for uh, 2016 Wrestler of the Year and Favorite Wrestler of the Year and uh, Best Promo Work of the Year. I've got Best Promo Work of the Year three years in a, in a row, uh, 14, 15, and 16. So thank you very much for your participation in that. Anyone who's involved, you guys, thank you very much. Sincerely appreciate that. Well, Sadly, you didn't get one of our our awards, our Lucha Underground awards last year because you hadn't debuted yet. Though we should have probably yeah. had a best dark match award. Yeah. <laughs> there was you probably certain, there was a certain dark match that was a certain multi-way match that well, was shit. And are we I not allowed to talk about that? I mean, it's not really a spoiler, no, is it? No, we can't mention it. No. Damn it. You're no fun We're case. Under man. NDA. I don't want the LLC after me. I've already said some things I shouldn't have said. <laughs> hey, you got the plug pulled on us last I got the week. Plug pulled on us last week. It's true. <laughs> it is so. That true. was my favorite dark match that I've ever seen in the temple. We're renegades. <laughs> there, there was also one involving another guest on our show and a little person that we would like to have on the show. 
Well, that's what I'm talking about. That was my favorite one. Oh, that wasn't the one I was talking about. I don't think I think you were in Florida or something. Justin, yeah, was I I know the one that that yeah. Casey is talking about. Um, it was like a, no, a well, fr- well, it was a French fry match, wasn't it? Because there was like potatoes and stuff in the ring. No, that's <laughs> not the one I'm talking about either. This was a multi man match. It was like a three way or a four way, four way. <laughs> yeah, it was dope. I know the other one you're talking about. I remember, yeah. I'm just sitting there like, you motherfucker. <laughs> I love it. I'm like, <laughs> but this is what we do. This is the this is the fun game of, of Lucha Underground where you have to tiptoe around certain things when you know some stuff and it's super awesome and you can't say dick. You just can't say it because you know at the end of the day, it's just not good for the product to say it. It's a TV show. It's a Hollywood world we're living in, and you just can't spoil the fun for anyone. No, no spoilers. That's why there's a just, shit in the temple. No spoilers. I just imagine that there's people out there listening to this, and they're like, got the ear up, like to the thing, and they're Harvey Dent. Shut it! Shut it! You know, it's just, I want to, you know, it's. I, Oh, it's great. Like we had when EV dub was on last week, I I almost got him to slip and give a spoiler. I was trying my hardest to so close tells us shit and we want him to so bad. But I know he's editing it right now and I almost got him to to fess up on this angle that's coming up that everyone needs to see because it's so effing good. Um, But he wouldn't do it. He didn't bite. He's he's a smarter guy than that. Um, Well, thank you for joining us, Kevin. Thank Uh, you, Kevin. Thank you. Thank you, Kevin. Get to a couple other pieces of business here, but um, thank you so much. And dude, for reals, anytime you know, um, back before this show was even getting the six, seven hundred hits, it's getting a week now. um, You were there, and you came on, and you did us a solid, and and being a great guest for us early on in this show's history. Um, So you, above all are welcome here anytime you got something to plug something to say just want to hang out and shoot the shit you are welcome here my friend anytime you can hack our feed whenever you want (laughs) thank you very much my pleasure sincerely thank you guys for giving me a platform to be out there as well i very much appreciate it absolutely Absolutely. hey and you have carte blanche to use any uh sound bites you want from this show and any promos that you want ever because that was badass when you did that i love that thing (laughs) thank you you're gonna fuck up fire you know, like, that's like my favorite. You know, well, I'm the only one who paid money to see him wrestle. So I don't know what you guys are talking about. Yeah, I, yeah, that's just, I, stood, I stood in line four hours to see him wrestle multiple times, Byron. Yeah, I did so, that too. I did that's it more true. than you. That's all true. All right, you old, you bickering old crones. Uh, I'll get back to you, Kevin. Thank you very much, brother. We will catch up with thank you soon. You. Thank you for doing this. Appreciate Thank it, brother. Thank Cheers. you. Certainly. Certainly. Um, gentlemen. We have a game to play, Justin. Well, we do, but I got I to gotta talk about one other uh, interesting little thing. Um, I don't want you to turn it on, but on this other channel, uh, there's this wrestling show right now that has a very blurry Lucha Underground referee. Oh, dude. No, no, no. I have the exclusive inside scoop on what happened okay so you know the crash is in mexico and as we know mexico sometimes gimmicks their referees there's face referees and heel referees right okay well 
for some reason, I don't know who thought it was a good idea. I'm going to blame Conan because it's his promotion. Somebody thought it would be a good idea to have their referee come out dressed as a giant penis. And you see, this was this was bad, though, because TNA took it to whatever fucking third-rate network they're on now. I don't know. But they're like, dude, we can't have like a dick flopping around in the ring counting three slapping and like the arms were like balls like you can picture it you can picture a striped penis counting the i want everyone to close your eyes and picture the striped penis casey 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 that that wasn't a penis oh that was marty elias bro what yeah you didn't hear about this whole thing it it was mmm shows marty elias yes brother it's another okay. Hernandez situation. Well, no wonder they got in such fucking trouble. Oh my God, he's under no. a Lucha Underground contract. Well, yeah, and and before anybody thinks that this is some like you know Lucha versus TNA war or that something intentional was done here, um, mm. from 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 what I understand about the entire situation, Marty was there working legit, and there were several other Lucha Underground uh, talent working there, and yes, there was some triple a jumping and some other stuff going on but the official lucha underground talent especially marty i'm pretty sure asked permission to be there were very transparent with the lucha underground company about what they were doing who they were doing it for and it wasn't an issue um lucha's not trying to keep people from making money um lucha underground is not so marty's down there and he's you know he's just down there to ref some matches and he's gonna ref whatever matches Conan, who's the promoter, tell him, tells him to ref. This is normal business, folks. But know that Conan and the promotion knew very well that Marty's image was not allowed to be used uh, on national television in the U.S. outside of the Lucha Underground promotion. Mm-hmm. Now, you're sending one of your refs down to, to the crash in Tijuana, who doesn't have a TV deal, who thinks it's going to be a problem. Right. But Conan's got Jeremy Borash and the Hardys down there doing this awesome gimmick, by the way. I don't know if you've heard about this. It's teleportation. Yeah. yeah. They can teleport to other places for matches now to try yes. to earn tag team belts. So I, I um, love when people steal shit from The Undertaker, but yeah, let's let's continue. And who were they facing? Super crazy and psychosis or something? Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah. you know, who have two who of my favorite are, dudes? Two of the Mexican. Yeah. Mexico's look great great match and obviously the guy you know if you've got Marty Elias down there he's probably the guy in the stripes with the most experience you probably want him repping the match when you've got big names coming in um but then you can't sell the footage of him back to TNA I don't mm-hmm. know I know Borash was down there with a camera but I'm pretty sure what they're airing tonight also came from from Conan's cameras too so I'm pretty sure he tried to sell him the footage Jeff Jarrett's got to be hot Jeff Jarrett's got to be super effing pissed that he got sold some footage that he can't even use because, um, you know, Dorian sent those oh, guys sorry, a cease and desist. I don't even know. Party as fuck selling people footage that you know damn well they can't use. That's <laughs> kind of funny, but it's ridiculous. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, look, I, I'm 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 a fan of Conan's to a certain extent, but at the same time, it's like, bro, there's certain rules and lines. Like, you can be a renegade. You can try to snatch some talent. If they'll do it, they'll do it. But you can't sell people footage you literally don't have the rights to. And if Marty Elias is in the footage, you don't have the rights to sell it in the U.S. You just don't. Right. So, you Especially know. someone you're trying to have a working agreement with. 
I mean, maybe this works. Maybe this works for TNA though. Um, you know, and 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 I was actually looking forward to the working relationship with Jeff Jarrett and Conan to see if they could do some stuff. I thought it was very interesting, but at the same time, uh, you know, Conan was trying to do a lot that night. Come on, you're, if you're working out deals with TNA, you're getting guys to jump over from AAA. Um, you know, you got workers from Lucha coming down. Um, mm-hmm. The simple fact of the matter is, it's not TNA versus Lucha. I mean, it's like Conan stirring the pot. That's what this really is. Conan is stirring the pot. He should just put the headline on Monday. That's all he was doing. There was no other long-term plan on his behalf. Well, he got a headline on Monday. Then he got a headline the next Monday. And then he, now he has a headline the Monday after because TNA has to run some blurry-ass footage tonight of Marty Elias. But how's he making money off that? He hasn't had a show since. They didn't, at least they didn't have to pull the whole fucking thing like they did with Hernandez. They can blur out the ref, which is weird as fuck, but it's probably still less work than all those WWF scratch logos they had to blur out on some of the old network footage for sure. I got to think Borash too is, is a little complicit here in the fact that he's a smart, smart guy. Borash, Jeremy Borash, I don't care what you think about his characters or personas or whatever. He's a hardworking dude that always puts the time in, does his homework, does his research. I seriously doubt that there's any way Borash didn't know that Marty Elias could not appear in the footage that he was taking back to TNA. And if Borash was there, they were doing it to take the footage back to TNA. He's not accompanying the Hardys when they go to FC, FSW or all these other places. Like, come on. Mm-hmm. If Borash yeah. is there with the Hardys, it's because they're doing another angle. You know, obviously they were doing this thing for TV. Why use another company's guy? Borash could have said, Conan, we can't use that dude. Like, unless they were really trying to get him on to try to stir the pot. Like, maybe Borash and Conan were in it together. I don't know. Maybe they're just trying to push the boundaries and see if they could pull a fast one. Someone um, made the choice to put Marty in that match. Someone made the choice to try to air the fucking footage. But it's, I mean, it's just, you have all this stuff going on and you just look at the big picture. You have Anthem just bought TNA and TNA has constantly been trying to rebuild the integrity of the brand. And now Anthem And then look at like Lucha Underground protects their stuff. But like Lucha Underground's not a big wrestling promotion trying to start fights with anyone. It's not like no, and it's not them that do cease and desist. Fucking MGM, dude. Right? Like, if you're Anthem and you get a cease and desist from MGM, aren't you shitting your pants a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I believe <laughs> I believe it was Dorian that went to MGM and said, "Can we get this out there on behalf of the uh, of the product?" And you know, and Dorian's honestly probably right this time. <laughs> I mean, you can't be just using their guys on national TV. I mean, that's that's that is the line. That's the line right there, guys. Like Pentagon and those guys jumped to crash and all that stuff. That was the line that was not crossed. The stuff was not aired on national TV anywhere. Why did it sound like a dog was attacking Byron? Oh, it's his squeaky chair. <laughs> like midnight there. I don't know. He's delirious. It's a, it's awesome. But I mean, so y- you've got this really, really weird, interesting situation. Um, and I hope it doesn't start any shit. You know, Eric, Eric has had enough problems with the TNA guys. Uh, 
<laughs> which was completely taken out of context too. Um, Marty Elias, dear Lord, you guys got to understand Marty's a schoolboy. Like he's, he's a nice guy, but at the same time, he's not trying to get, this wasn't him rocking the boat in any way at all. No, no. And if he thought it was even going to be an issue, he just straight up left. Right. Even like bros, I am down for all of you. But at the same time, like Marty is cool with all these people. Trust me. I'm sure Marty's got no heat with Conan, got no heat with Borash, no heat with Lucha, no heat with Dorian. Marty's just not that guy, y'all. He is a team player. He is down to make talent look good and be a good worker himself. And doesn't um, bury people even if they deserve it. Yeah. So, right. you know, As I'm, pretty sure, I'm, I'm pretty sure for the way I understand things, too, that Marty um, was there with full permission and was fully disclosing everything that he was involved in. Mm -hmm. um and and even tried to steer clear of getting too involved with the guys jumping from triple a or any of that stuff like you know marty's just there to support everybody and he knows all those workers and and all the bookers on both sides there's just no reason for him to get that heat he's a guy who can work in this business in a lot of capacities for a long long time he doesn't need the heat for any reason so um don't think it's lucha trying to keep marty from work working either i'm pretty sure lucha said he could be there I don't think that Lucha they had weren't any expecting heat. him to be on TV, right? Like, yeah, yeah, no. And Borash and those guys had a great idea, so they just went down there to film it, and that's mm -hmm. that's acceptable too. So you know, people I think might be making a lot out of this situation, but I think really the the one thing to, to just to note is it was a screw up to use a guy who's got a TV contract with a different promotion, uh, you know. And it's a, this is a strange, weird situation. When does this ever happen? When you right. basically got guys from three or four different promotions converging in one spot um, with a couple of different television companies there, guys jumping from one promotion to another, like, you know, kudos to Conan for stirring the pot if that's what he was trying to go for. But honestly, um, it all falls back on him. Like, if this was his intention, good. He's the booker. He's the guy. He's the man. Um it's and on I, him to explain this one away. Like he's got to explain it yeah. to Jeff Jarrett if Jeff's pissed. He's got to explain it to Dorian if Dorian's pissed. He's got to explain it to Marty for getting this guy who is just trying to ref an event into hot water. Yeah. Um, you know, he's well, got to explain it to the guy one. who had to do the blurring on the on Mark. It's hilarious. It's a blurred referee on TV today. It's you know, awesome. I think I I do think that if there's one takeaway from this situation. It's that my idea of a referee dressed like a giant penis is an excellent idea. I don't disagree, but come and, on. And when DDT does it, I want you guys to remember whose idea it really was first. Wait, did I sign an, an NDA for TNA? Did, was I not supposed to say it was Marty? Did I blow, did I blow my NDA for TNA? Oh, shit. You're never going to get that second Velvet Sky figure. <sighs> Damn it. You're not going to get the Angelina love figure to go with it. <laughs> I don't know. Was there an Angelina love figure? I'm surprised there was a velvet sky. There's figure. a velvet sky with a, with a stamp, a stamp Wait, of approval. Oh no. It's the tights pad. I thought she was actually autographed for a second. It's a sky. And then no, she no. signs things on the butt of her own action figure. I did not, I did not make her sign this. Um, <laughs> in fact, I was, I was basically saying, um, can you, can you move so I can talk to, to Bubba? <laughs> oh, 
Oh, Bubba Ray Dudley. He's he's a national treasure. And one but of my heroes. Does that mean we're closing with face off today? Um it yeah. might. Let me check through the notes. I had to get in the, the thing about the TNA stuff. Because um, Byron's gonna leave before we play the fucking game. We gotta get him to play this. Oh no, he's gonna play this game. You know, I had some more WWE thoughts. Um uh. That uh, we'll talk about after face off, or or next week. I gotta talk to Byron about about elimination chamber. That's quick. It won't hurt you, Casey. Okay. But we'll talk about face off okay. first. Okay, so um, I'll make the face off talk really fast. Somebody well, first, first of all, first of all though, I just gotta say when they said a snowflake challenge, I thought something completely different from where they went. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, see, this was shot. This was shot well aware, well ahead of the current political climate. So, okay. so now things, it makes sense. Things were a little different. Um, I gotta say that I think um, Sig and George were robbed again. Like I, I thought, one hundred percent, I agree. Uh, but I, I think they were too scary for what the judges wanted for the challenge because theirs was scary as shit. And and now I see it whenever I close my eyes. But dude, and, you can't tell me that wasn't genius with the silicone on the top and the the face makeup underneath where it was yeah. showing through. So it looked like you had this icicled in um, witch that was trying to break through the ice. It was yeah. dude. So it's cool. exactly what Game of Thrones should be doing with the the their main villain. Mm-hmm. It was amazing. Yeah, that I I liked it. They they were safe though. Um, Team Merwolf and Team Love were at the bottom this week. And both of their makeups would have been like middle of the pack middle of the pack in a regular season, probably. Um, but yeah, since it's I mean, stars, it's harsh. The judges didn't even look happy about the fact that they were on the bottom. It's like, dude, it's gonna get a lot harder from here on out because even the judges are tearing Shit. up at who's in the bottom. V started crying. Like Damn. And, uh, okay. So the winners, uh, were Tyler and Emily, but we learned some deep, dark secrets about Emily on this episode. I'm going to call it like I see it, Casey. She is now the number one villain in reality TV. Currently. (laughs) It's not that girl on the bachelor, the, whatever the, the Greek shipping heiress girl it's, it's Emily. She's now yeah. the number one villain in reality TV. I was going to say she's worse than Johnny Fairplay. And um, and this goes right to you, Byron, because the reason why she's so evil is because she's like you. She's never seen any movies. Yeah, that's what I was saying in the DM earlier. She's like the young bucks of the show. Now, we were saying she's the you of the show. Because we have a list of the movies, and you got to be honest, because I will test you, because I've seen all these movies. Which ones? I don't know. It's hard for me to watch movies when I'm consistently not living with my parents. Hey, it's it's all good, Byron, because Justin's seen all these movies, too. Okay, Byron. Byron, have you seen The Breakfast Club? Yeah. Okay. Okay. You're not as evil as Emily. Name one actor that's in the Breakfast Club. There's going to be two hits. One me hitting you, two you hitting the floor. The rest of the Brat Pack. 
Okay, not, right. not bad. So, so then, have you seen Sixteen Candles? I've seen like a minute or two just from channel surfing when it used to air on TV. That counts as no. Oh. Have you seen the original Boris Karloff Frankenstein, Byron? No. Have you seen The Bride of Frankenstein? <laughs> um no but you know what byron that's okay because you're not a special effects makeup yeah, artist you're not a makeup artist have you seen the wolfman the original or any variation thereof that didn't have jack nicholson or benicio del toro i've seen a werewolf before in real life yeah okay seen a darewolf put, put a put a check mark next to believes in werewolves for byron hey we saw the darewolf Right, Byron? I talked to him. He's a cool guy. I don't know why you're so mean to him. Have you seen The Shining? The Shining? Yes. That's that, Hey, that was part so of the test. You corrected me. I've seen it so many times. I know about the theory about how Jack is alone with his family, and everyone he talks to, he never actually looks at. You always like... There's always a mirror strategically placed where he's just looking and talking to himself. Okay. Everything's an illusion. That's all. I've, I've been watching Shining is based on Spooky. Now, I forgot the name, but I know the place. I've had family visit and they send me a postcard. Okay, have you seen have you seen Mad Max, the original? Uh, I've seen it on TV. I've seen the intro like three times in screenwriting classes. It where Mel Gibson has an Australian voice or was he dubbed into an English voice? I don't know. It was the intro. It's a lot of driving and like, rawr. you know, honestly, though, I tell people not to watch Mad Max and to just skip to the Road Warrior. It's, it's far better. It's far better. Yeah. But I like Mad it's Max. I like the first one, too. It's just a different feel. <laughs> I like how his family gets killed. That's pretty dope. It's Byron, have you seen Star Wars? Which one, the good one? Yeah. Which one is the good one, Byron? No, I've seen all but... Oh, uh, Empire Strikes Back is the best one. I've seen all but um, the two latest ones. Oh, dude, you got to see those. They're actually good, man. Like, I, know, just, uh, I, I don't live near a modern theater right now. It's hard. Dude, Rogue One is like watching a good Western. Mm -hmm. It really is. Okay, good. Byron. Fucked up Western. The $20 million question. Have you seen The Lost Boys? Oh, man. Uh, I haven't seen the whole thing. I've maybe have seen oh. bits of oh. The vampires? Oh. I hate I've seen you. movies about vampires. I mean, what's the difference? The Corys. The Corys. Wait, did you just compare Lost Boys to Twilight? I had to. I actually I did have to watch Twilight 2, and I'm not Is proud Al of that. Is Al going to have to kill a bitch? Have you seen? Have, have you ever? I've been, it's like it's weird. Adventure. Byron, what? This wasn't one of the ones on the show, but have you seen Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure? Yeah, and the or second. the Adventures of Baron Munchausen. Bill is I've one seen of the vampires. I keep telling Jay Man to watch it in Urban. God, I've seen the Adventures of Baron Munchausen like fifty times because it used to be on HBO like every week. I wish I owned it. I wish I could watch it every day after work. It would make me I feel better. I think it's better. on Netflix, dude. It was for a while anyway. Was it? Oh. Mm -hmm. 
I don't know, Byron. You might not be as evil as Emily on this show. You you might not be the number one villain in all of reality. You television. know. You know what though, Justin? We gave him a pass, saying that he's not a makeup artist. But this motherfucker made a horror movie. Yeah, I know. I made lots of stuff. Uh, I think your horror movie director card might need to get revoked, bro. We just I've made home renovation TV shows, but I haven't built a house. <laughs> okay, good point. That's true. You know what, Byron? I will give you my Universal Monsters Blu-ray box set for you to watch. And then everything will be fine. And I promise you'll enjoy it. And they're only like an hour and ten minutes long for each one anyway, so it won't take you long. I would love to watch those movies. I have a stack of horror movies I picked up when I was on the film festival circuit promoting my movie that I haven't sat down and watched. There was one that I really enjoyed that I got called, um, oh no, America's... Called, oh no? American Mary? Was it American Mary, Byron? I'm forgetting the name because... Anyway, it's from Grand Rapids and it's basically, it's, uh, it's about these guys making a ghost hunting reality show. And then they happen upon actual ghosts that fuck them all. Oh up. my gosh! Who would have thought that would happen? Was it Grave Encounters, Byron. Grave Encounters. What? Was it? No, it was a good. It was a really good movie. But I was. I took a weekend off of work to go to go to the festival, and it was giving me anxiety attacks because it was so authentic towards the making and faking of the types of shows that we do. I. You're reality TV nightmares as if we don't have I, enough of them. I really started thinking about that break again. We do need an act two break. Did it have a guy that was a spot on impression of Zach Baggins without actually being Zach Baggins from Ghost Adventures? He's no, he's lost. He's zoning out. Um, I, I, I do have. I do have to drop a couple horror things for the people that listen to the show because, you know, I'm always shilling Shudder. They just added two documentaries on the video nasties. And if you want to know how horrible the horror scene that was so awesome for us was in the 80s for Meath Loaf's people over there, when they're like, oh, I'd like to see the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, please. And they'd be like, it's banned. And they put a big scarlet letter on your face or something. It's, it's bloody like, banned. Yeah. That's terrible. And they'd be like, oh, I just wanted to see Leatherface cut up a chop with the with the chainsaw, which is what we call chainsaws over here. And uh, no. From uh, Liverpool now. Wow. That's that's pretty good. Dude, you I, I vary the people. East End to Liverpool all at once. It, it, it was the whole country having problems with horror movies. But no, it's a fascinating documentary that Severn Films put out. A lot of their library is making it up to Shudder. And their stuff's great. Like, we always go talk to them at cons and stuff. Uh, me and my friend Kevin. Because uh, they do, they did the Lost Soul documentary on the making of the fucking uh, Island of Doctor Moreau, which is a complete gem and is also on Shutter, and I cannot recommend it enough. Um, I want to see this one of the nasties though. What's it called? Uh, it's just called Video Nasties. There's two volumes. Um, and you know what, Justin? If you don't have Shutter, next time I see you, I will bring you my DVDs of the documentary. I might. What, how much does Shutter run a month? I think it's uh, just time. Like six bucks. Yeah, it might just be time. 
Yeah. I've, uh, I, I don't have my CBS All Access anymore, so maybe those funds will go there because I've watched all the Big Brother and Survivor that I can, and I'm completely caught up until they debut their Star Trek show on there. So I love oh, you, CBS. Yeah. Love you, Chris Roach, but I canceled my CBS All Access. Um, <clears throat> hey, oh, Byron, a, wait, 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 Justin, Justin. I'm not stopping you. I won't stop you. I'm there's, not taking your time. There's another piece of horror news that I'm very excited about. Because something was announced today that will be completely meaningless to all of the people that aren't from California like us. But a little friend of ours is coming to Monster Palooza, Justin. Wolverine. That Robert England. Oh. God, did you say Wolverine? Wolverine? Hugh Jackman. Did he say Wolverine? He said Wolverine. He's the guy who helped Zack Ryder win the United States Championship. He's a hero for the people. Oh, Byron. He broke Dolph Ziggler's jaw, which makes him even more of a hero. Is this why I end the show with a headache every week? Yeah. Is that why this happens? Yeah. Dear Lord. Okay, so Wolverine. Sorry, yeah, Freddy Krueger is, is doing what? Robert England himself is appearing at Monster Palooza, and they've been adding more and more Elm Street guests. So I think I even said on the show, <laughs> I think they're going to add Robert England. Check it out. It's going to happen. Fucking Robert happy. England, you mean that mentally ch challenged guy from V? Yeah, he was dope in V. He he went full, you know, but uh, <laughs> he, he went the full. Touch. Yeah, he went the full Byron. But uh, let let me tell you, I couldn't be more excited because okay, so they've they've announced a bunch of Elm Street people. I'm holding out for Kincaid. I asked them, is Kincaid going to be there? And they completely ignored me and announced Robert England instead. When the true main eventer, Kincaid, is yet to be announced. But they did get Kristen's mom from Pirate 3. You know, where's the fucking bourbon, bitch? You know, good times. Love it. I've because seen that movie people, roughly people, a thousand times. You're just smangry. It doesn't take a lot to get Casey excited. You just got to know the right buttons to push, y'all. I just hope it's not $300 fucking dollars to meet him like it was at another con, but he yeah. was in full Freddy makeup then. PC3 isn't even that much. Good gracious. It can't be that, that expensive. All right, Byron, wake up. I got to talk some WWE. What's I want to talk about this this elimination chamber thing. Um, right. First of all, I don't care what anyone says. I think the women are shining on the SmackDown roster. <laughs> I, I was happy about the fact that they had three matches. They, I mean, they were they were relatively mid-card-ish, but you need that. I mean, with a smaller roster like SmackDown has, the fact that they were able to have three women's matches on that card uh, that were credible, I thought was a big deal, personally. Um, yeah, SmackDown's been doing a really great job with their female talent. Look, Mickey and Becky was great. I have no qualms with it. I have no qualms with um, the finish. And then they rehashed it on SmackDown, um, which I'll get into in a sec, but th that was good. Natty and Bella eh, didn't really go anywhere, but I thought they were out there busting it, you know, for what they were doing. I thought it was was good. Um, Naomi going over X Alexa Bliss for the belt, though. I have an issue with it. And look, I'm all for Vince giving out honorary Black History Month belts to people or whatever reason they put it on her because she's got pop in Orlando for WrestleMania. But she I doesn't even get it for the whole month. 
<laughs> she doesn't even get it for a whole month. That's that's mean. She gets it for half of the shortest month, and then she's gonna lose it to uh, the whitest white girl of all time again. Wait, they brought back uh, Sable. No, no, she really was the whitest white girl. Yeah, yeah, she was. Um, Either that or like Ryan Shamrock or something. I don't know. Ryan, well, I'm happy. For, I didn't. I didn't watch the show at all, but I, I Naomi definitely has earned it, and I also think that she's. Hey, you know what's funny is I went to Ryan Shamrock while I'm reading Creepy Magazine with Uncle Creepy. Uncle, Uncle Creepy, right on there. Who, by the way, in UFC, he's out now of his fifth fight. I don't. He is like. He's cursed. I don't know what the hell happened with Uncle Creepy, man. He's he's missed five straight now somehow. I was excited hearing he was fighting, and now, oh, god yeah. damn it, dude. I don't know what's up with Uncle Creepy. It's bad news for him. Um, anyway, I don't know. I didn't really like them taking the belt off of Alexa Bliss. I thought she's got the right heat right now. I like her promos. Um, and she cut a good promo to get her heat back on SmackDown. But I just I don't know about Naomi having the belt. I thought it was a weird call, especially with what they did. Um in the elimination chamber itself. Uh, the tag team eliminator match was bad news and it was actually stealing gimmicks away from the elimination chamber. Uh, I like all the talent there, but they are definitely kind of in this mid card doom and gloom in the tag scenario there, but the elimination chamber itself, AJ styles and John Cena are seriously on a different level right now. And I don't know. I, I heard neither of them won the match, Justin. No, they didn't. But I'm I'm telling you, there's something going on with Cena right now where he clearly wants it more than he has in the past few years. Like he's taking it more serious, and I don't know if it's AJ bringing it out of him or what. But I've never been a huge Cena fan. I've never disliked him, but I've never been like, "Ooh, I kind of want to see what Cena does here." I loved everything he did in that match. I loved everything he's been doing with, with AJ in general. I loved what yeah. they did at Royal Rumble. And like all of a sudden, I find myself being a Cena fan, and I don't want to be. Well, yeah, I don't like this feeling. I don't know. Hey, Byron, which one of us brought out a John Cena action figure last week on the show, still in the package? Yeah, something to prove. He, he started doing it back. Um, Justin, what is that? I can't see it. Wow, that made my whole face red from the screen of the redness of the Sorry. finger. Sorry. I mean, Look, you go back to his, his United States title challenge where he was trying to bring that belt up and he was trying to By have having the exact same match, match with every single person put people on the map he would have people challenge him like and they would have pay-per-view quality matches every week you know like you know yeah. if someone was coming down on the face he that stunner and he never did all of it and now yeah, he but, well, um, i do agree with casey that the part of the difference here is what he's doing in these matches is not as predictable he was literally having the same match every week with that U.S. title, just with his opponent's spots. He, he was the he held the championship. He wasn't going to lose. Part of that was he was supposed to put someone over huge when he when he did lose it. It ended up being Del Rio and a huge waste of time. And Del Rio sucks. No one should ever invest their company in that guy ever. But. What Which he's doing now, we should be watching Combatants Americas right now. Don't you say that about Pope? He's doing a much bigger version of that now, where he is trying to put over—he was trying to put over mid Carters. So, wait, Casey, did you hear this shit about Paige having a movie? 
Yeah, I hear a lot of things about. And it people started filming that. today or whatever. Like Rock is producing it or something. Dude, and dude, who gives a shit? Because let me tell you something. Somebody else has a movie, Justin. Who's that? Okay, all I gotta tell you is that if you take Paige's chances of performing well in the box office, you have a twenty percent chance at best. But you see, Scott Steiner has a 125% chance of performing well as a Bollywood actor, which is what he did. So great Kali, look the fuck out, son, because here comes Scott Steiner, and he can stand up, bitch. <laughs> You're a terrible human being, and I love it. Um, <laughs> sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, Byron. I mean, I kind of yeah. did, but I didn't mean to. I, totally I just wanted you. to mention Big Papa Pump because we share a birthday. We're practically fucking twins, and I love that man. You know who I share a birthday with? Justin Bieber? No. Yeah. I looked it up, bro. Bieber's not the same day, too, is he? Yep. Yeah. That sucks. Great. So I got to fight with Bieber and Mark Turk? Yeah. Um, you know what's cool, though, is like, you know, Bieber will kick Byron's ass, but I'm pretty sure you can take Bieber, Justin. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Bieber's like on the Dude, Byron, Bieber will pull your fucking eyeball out and step on it so that you never forget the time that you tried to fuck with Justin Bieber. No, Bieber can box too, but I'll... He's I'll basically... Justin Bieber is basically the haku of the music industry. <laughs> you have issues. Um, anyway, I like the Elimination Chamber match. I, I liked Bray going over, even though we all heard it was coming and that there's this Orton-Bray thing that was supposed to be happening at WrestleMania this year. Um, we'll see where it goes because, you know, then on SmackDown, Bray kind of got the, the quadruple rub. Luke Harper couldn't beat him down. And then he went over again on Cena and Styles. And then Orton comes out and says, you're my master and I'm not going to face you at WrestleMania. So they announced that there's going to be a, a battle royal to determine the number one contender for Bray's title at WrestleMania. And it's not Orton. Um, I don't so know. They, they had Luke Harper turn on Bray Wyatt. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's good for Luke Harper. And that was a pay per view ago. That was at least a week ago. But what I'm Dude, saying is, I stopped watching WWE because I don't support Donald Trump like you guys. Well, that's true. But I'm just saying, like, look, you can't get any bigger or better push than what Bray is getting in the amount of time he's getting it in right now. Um, well deserved, coming at a strange time, but it was nice to see him cut out, come out, and cut a real Bray Wyatt promo um you know not be playing games or patty cake with uh you know the new day or whatever he was doing eight months ago and and not being in these weird gimmick angles like it's just, would have done this like two years ago i probably wouldn't have given up on the product i i, I really like bray wyatt but here's the thing about bray wyatt he's, he's not really even eating 30 years right old he's not even what He's not even 30 years old. Like, I get, I really wanted Bray to win earlier, but you look at it and you go, well, Roman Reigns won three times right away. And I love Bray, but if he started winning a whole bunch at the beginning, maybe you start thinking, did he really earn it? Or is he being shoved no. down their throats? And now that he won. You're fucking dope. No one would have thought that. Smart Marks get, all you have to do is be a good promo for Smart Marks to suck your dick. Like, but, but he's he's been at he's been in the main events since he showed up. He's been there. He he went over Daniel Bryan for a minute. He went over Kane. 
He got to do Taker at WrestleMania. He got to kick out of the Tombstone. He's been doing stuff. He's been legitimate. He got to beat Ray in the best. Remember the uh, the John Cena that he's done, and now now is seeing that he gets the opportunity now going to hold the belt going into WrestleMania or in the WrestleMania season. I don't know what the deal is. Well, he but, just beat uh, Cena and AJ tonight. I mean. Or this week, did, did he beat them by having children and sheep ass around the ring? And and like and you and he had those matches with Ambrose and all that that were kind of fun until the end, and that's kind of been every down to the lantern and the hell in a cell. But like, there's been times when he's doing his thing and you don't take him seriously, and then he's in the ring with Triple H, and then he just looks at Triple H and kind of looks like he wants the championship belt. And now all of a sudden he has that legitimacy and it's like he's been writing that for a while and now now they pull the trigger and i'm i'm happy now like i don't mind so much the weight and the struggle now that he has it i hope we'll they see treat if him it, if it pays off we'll see like I, I, it really is going to depend on what they do um i hope they still do the orton bray angle for wrestlemania and i hope he goes over on orton um, if they I do take, all this, I take Bray seriously. I don't take the company seriously, but I take Bray seriously. I think the question is, does the company take themselves seriously? What are they going to do with this? They're getting the pop. The "You Deserve It" chant for Bray on SmackDown this week was probably the hugest one I've ever heard. That's good. That warms my heart. I didn't watch it, but it fucking warms my heart because and, Bray and it was to the point where. You could tell the stuff that they did in the angle after that was written into the angle because they knew he was going to get that big a pop. There's something to be said for that. Like Booker T should have won. We all wanted him to beat Triple H when Triple H oh, did the race. Oh, I mean, he's, he's pigmentedly challenged, though. That was never going to happen. But when then Booker T was able to actually make his big win as King Booker, oh, which was amazing. Sorry. So in the big picture, was it better for him to have beaten Triple H when Triple H called him boy or whatever? Or yes. was it better? I mean, he should have beat him up. I want, I want our listeners to tell me if they tuned in this week expecting to hear me do a spot-on impression of Charmel. It just it goes to, like, if there's a big picture, if you can trust the payoff, which is why we like Lucha Underground so much, because you can trust there will be an end to your story. If you can trust that, it doesn't matter if they're, it, you appreciate the struggle leading up to it. But we and never dude, eventually, it. after like four or five years, you'll figure out that all the medallions on a belt are all of the tribes. Should we talk about that? Fuck, um, that's great. That's goddamn. I, I, I'm not trying to break dicks off because I do have some other stuff I really have to cover. <sighs> You can break dicks off if you want. It's your show too. Go away, go nah. for it if you want to. Nah, dude, I'm tired. Mm-hmm. I don't need to break any dicks. My my own dick was broken at work today just by work. Um so anyway, look, the Bray Wyatt thing I think is cool. Now the question is, is the Bailey thing as cool? Bailey took the belt on Smack. We got a lot of new champions in a week here. I liked I like Bailey. I think she she went old school with the whole like old school Hulk Hogan type face. Oh, you whole, mean, like, where Hulk Hogan was really a fucking heel and cheated to win and no one said shit? 
but she didn't cheat. But I uh, uh, did, did think about I did think about Casey. If Casey was watching, he wouldn't say she's doing Hulk Hogan uh, shtick. He would say that she was doing the Eugene doing Hulk Hogan shtick. Because she's literally the female Eugene. Yeah, I mean, I, well, I've told people it was that. a double run-in finish too. Like it was by no means like, clean. And I was sitting there thinking to myself, like, oh, you know. This women's division, for as much as Charlotte is a heel, has been one of the cleanest divisions for wins yeah. in WWE. And as soon as I started thinking that, here we go. Double run in, double swerve. Blah. But I can't. I I like it. like it. it. oh, it's all good. I just want the Bailey fans, especially Dicks on the Death Valley driver board that voted her over Pentagon in the March Madness tournament, to enjoy this while it lasts. Because she's losing the belt on the next pay-per-view. I called it. There you go. I mean, everyone knows that Charlotte wants the belt back at the pay-per-views. We get get into that later. But, I, I mean, I feel like she Bailey did a good job as being that simple, pure baby face that connects with the crowd. And they worked a match where Bailey won, was like winning them over. By the end, there was some good heat. And also Charlotte's offense. Even if it got a little clumsy, it meant that Bailey almost died if something happened. But Bailey is substantial. You know, she's not like Sasha, where you think Sasha actually is dead. You think well, Bailey is dead? I think I think Bailey knows how to base for Charlotte better than Sasha. Yeah, I, 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 I want to come in. Look, a thousand times more dangerous, and like the the schoolboy throwing her head into the back of the turnbuckle, and like the moonsault where she did the whole. One, the two, three, kid was awesome, and Bailey covered perfectly. She stepped into it the right way, got under it, put her back. Um, you know, because she was a little under. Bailey was also standing back a little far, but Charlotte this times her moonsaults all the time. Yeah, it's because but, her hands throw off her balance. But um, well, Bailey, it for Bailey, what? I mean, how many has she, how many has she done without a hands reference? Huh? You guys thought I wouldn't mention the hands once? But, it was great though because they put on a hard hitting match and by the end of it you respected what they were doing you got into it and you're rooting or cheering against whoever you want to like yes and i think back. i think that the 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 moral of the story to get to what you kind of were alluding to before the hot shotting of the title around look the simple fact of the matter is to me they can't get charlotte to 17 titles fast enough they need that story. They need her to keep winning on the pay-per-views. They're building something with her. They have Ric Flair's legacy there. They'd be stupid not to use it. I know everyone's like, oh, well, Sasha's a better wrestler. Bailey deserves it more. And Becky this and Mickey James. I'm telling you, they're right. I don't always agree with Vince, but he's right what he's doing with Charlotte. Her push is exactly what that division needs because it's going to give them all something to work off of in the future. They just like I said before with the universal title needing that rub, they need the women's title history to mean something different than it has before. And if they prop up Charlotte Flair mm -hmm. with her second generation name and make her a 17-time champion, if she's the one that takes down Rick's record, like Cena should never win another belt. Cena tied the record or whatever, they should never let him pass it. Cena should never win another world heavyweight title belt. Maybe they put a U.S. title or something on him, but that should be the end of the line for him. They should let Charlotte do it however long it takes, 
hot-shotting it around as much as they have, I think, has accelerated the process, which is, all in all, probably good for business. Now, the division is weird. The, what's happening on SmackDown, where you have blow-off matches with feuds that don't end, like everything happening in the women's division, which made the pay-per-view kind of silly, even though I just gave it props because I thought they did a great job of the pay-per-view. None of those feuds are dead after the blow-off matches. Not one single one. They're yeah. all still the active feuds. I Ridiculous. Don't, I don't think the Charlotte thing's going to pay off the way you think it is, Justin, because I think she's going to get heat backstage. And the from way who? Like, all of her homegirls and the four horsewomen? They're not going to give her heat. They're all getting the rub from it. They're the ones that are winning the belt off of her. This is what's going to happen. This is this is me prognosticating the future. I'll, I won't do it in a quatrain. I'll just say it normally for you all. Um, Stephanie McMahon is going to be eating a bag of chips backstage. And Charlotte's going to go, those chips look delicious. Can I have one? And then Stephanie's going to hold out the bag and say, yeah, go right ahead. And then she's going to put her whole giant fucking hand in the bag, and she's going to touch every chip. And then Stephanie's just going to go, you know what? You can have the rest. And then you're saying she's going to get heat because of her big horse hands. Yes. Touching every chip in the potato chip bag <laughs> or, or for, for me loaf that's listening. We mean crisps, crisps. I love it. I mean, there is there can't is, say chips because chips is a whole different thing over there. French fries, man. French fries. There is a chance that Stephanie will want to be a 17 time champion herself and steal that gimmick. Stephanie needs to turn face. That opening promo with her just made me feel like Stephanie needs to go face. She needs to slap Triple H and go face for some reason. I just, I'm tired of her. I don't know how you guys sit through a Stephanie McMahon opening promo. Let other people go. All she does is steal heat from everyone around her. So, um, very quickly, I want to talk about the uh, Festival of Friendship thing that Cross, our boy Cross, got to see. Awesome. That he was there for I that. I posted on Reddit that Friendship the Magician, who's trying to do an AMA, uh, was an idiot for no-selling the whole thing, and I kept getting downvoted. That sounds appropriate to me. That sounds about right. Friendship. No, he corpsed the whole time. I was waiting for send in the man. You know, was, you know what I think is great. Though. You know what I think is great is that people kept comparing it to the barbershop window. And Hulk Hogan went on Twitter and said, I missed Raw, but I heard Brutus was on. Who did he <laughs> I, mean, I wouldn't know he blocks me on Twitter. <laughs> Look, it oh, was great. it was the barbershop, but it was so perfectly done, especially by Jericho. Um, he worked in the comedy with these just homoerotic art pieces with him and KO. And then the friendship, the magician thing, the way Jericho played, it was awesome. And then KO giving him the list and then swerving him. I mean, it was the swerve everyone saw from a million miles away, but, yeah, but does this really make Jericho a face now? Dude, because I saw the heard, if you heard the speech that he gave where he was basically shooting on how much fun he had working with KO for the last year. There's no one who's not a wrestling fan who didn't love that speech and really feel for it. Like, oh my God, Jericho's spitting some serious realness here about how fun it's been going up and down the road with this guy. Well, see, and, I've and, never booed Chris Jericho because Chris Jericho is my hero. So I feel a little jaded. I think that the average wrestling fan is dumb as shit. 
But that's why so, it was good because honestly, it even got guys like me that aren't the average wrestling fan. Like Jericho did it. He did the impossible in this day and age, which was in an angle we all know is coming, in a swerve we all know is coming. He actually made you care in the moment that it was about to go down, that his buddy was going to go evil. I don't know if it makes Jericho face so much as we now have evil KO. See, but the thing is, KO was supposed to be evil this whole time. Again, look, I, I'm not disputing that. I'm not going to tell you that the, the segment was evil. great. I did watch the segment because, yeah. dude, when someone says Jericho does something good, I watch it because Chris Jericho is the man. I might not always watch every. Like, I barely watch WWE at all, but if I hear something good happens, I'll look it up. Yeah, it was and worth it. This one was worth it. And it it's was great. one of his top 10 moments in his career. I guarantee it. My old Jericho is probably one of the only guys who, whenever he comes back for a run, comes back to like be better than before, to make memories that will overlap the ones he had on the last run. Yep. Except the sparkly vest face. That, that was on purpose. No, that was on purpose. But it, it didn't work. But, um, it but my issue with this is that they did a good job of bringing KO back to being a dangerous, dangerous man and champion again. But I feel like they only, I just jaded, my jaded WWE uh, views think that they only made KO dangerous just so Goldberg looks more badass when he takes, when he beats him at Fastlane. Yeah, he's totally losing the Goldberg. Uh, Which he didn't have a ring on last week. I, yeah, I Justin loves that idea because he's a big Goldberg fan. I just yeah, but it's like business. Kevin Owens didn't get to be a badass while a champion. He got to be a badass just to make Goldberg look better. Um, well, speaking of looking good and looking like a badass, Samoa Joe promo, perfect, calling out uh, everyone to a certain extent, saying that. Yeah, he's Triple H's boy right now for a reason because he's actually dependable and he's not going to F up like all Triple H's previous protégés, but also putting Triple H on blast a little bit like I don't necessarily need him either. Which yeah, just being done perfectly. Yeah, Joe is being done absolutely right. I love the suits. I love the look. I love how he's playing the whole thing. Um, he's already getting a pop from people who don't know who the heck he is. He That's seems- good. He came. He seems like he came in, and it, whether you know him or not, like he's supposed to be somebody that you know. That's cool because I was worried that they would turn him into Triple H's power bottom. So it sounds better than that. No, he pinned Roman the, Reigns with the transitional move, which we all know Roman Reigns will kick out of a stunner and brass knuckles. Oh, and who cares? Roman is over, man. Braun's getting Roman's push right now. Roman's gonna have to earn it back if he wants it back. Baron Corbin's getting a better push than Roman Reigns right now, and I hope it stays. I, that you way. know, but I heard since Baron Corbin put on a shirt, he's been doing a lot better. Did he well, fix his hairline yet? No, that, he, he needs to shave. Dude. He has to pluck out seventy percent of the hair on the top of his head to maintain his heel status. Oh. Uh, he can be. He can go for the full Hogan. Like anyway, can- I'm liking Joe. All right, a couple last pieces of Lucha Underground news, and then we can get the hell out of here. Let me, I, I got to flip through, man. There's so much that happened to Lucha Underground for a show that's not even on TV right now. How, did, how does there keep being so much Lucha Underground news? Um, the Pentagon interview. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, and this goes back to kind of revelations from a few weeks ago, and and Pentagon basically said kind of what Evie Dub said on this show. Like, he wants to come to work. Uh, he plans to show up, and he's just waiting for the phone calls. You know, to and he said Lieutenant Ground was the company that's treated him the best. It was his favorite one to work for. Yeah. Now, he does have to understand, however, that Lucha Underground has a tie to the company that he feels the exact opposite about. <laughs> and it does exist. Oh, can I can I rant? Are we going to get cut off again? I will I say, before you go on the rant, my opinion is that everyone is going to get super stoked that Lucha Underground is awesome. And it's this great new American Lucha Libre type show. And down, just eventually cooler heads will prevail. And specifically dorian will see that he's creating a legacy bigger than his beef with wrestlers and that he'll want pentagon that's his best tool to make lucha underground successful and he'll want lucha underground to make to be successful to make him look cool but you know what i'm gonna write about wait let me before you before you write casey that's what's going to happen right now we're in the middle of bullshit <laughs> yeah, but um. Oh, okay. Before but, you go, Casey. Before you go, I just let me plug the the C two E two. Oh, so we don't get uh we don't get uh yeah Chicago Chicago Comics and Entertainment Expo panel with DJ Evie Dub Vamp Dorian Taya Ray and Mundo. Um, no Phoenix this time, like we got last time. But realistically, let's face it: if you're going to have a mass luchador there, you want it to be Ray. Ray's going to be there. I think Phoenix came to the one we were at because Ray was unavailable. Um, but anyway, uh, that's cool. Like, if you're a Lucha Underground fan, you're going to be in the Chicago area. Go to that. It's on Sunday, April 23rd. It's yeah. the Chicago Comics and Entertainment Expo, C2E2. Which has become um, a fucking huge dude. Like, yeah, props to those guys. And it's a big they deal that Lucha's going to be there. And we've been to some of these panels and it's always cool. Like DJ will tell you some cool story stuff. Doran will kind of tell you how Lucha Underground got started. Um, Taya has an amazing story of getting into AAA and then to Lucha Underground and why she's so over. Obviously, yeah, Ray, if there's a Q&A and you ask Dorian about the trademark bullshit, I will personally give you five American dollars. And I bet you Dorian will answer. And by the way, um, Dorian, I'm issuing a standing invitation for you to come on this show at any point in time um, and talk to us about anything Lucha Underground related. We will be very respectful. Um, we'll ask real questions, but we'll be completely respectful to, to let you answer them. But Dorian, you're welcome to come on the show um, because right now, uh, Casey's going to shoot on you a little bit, I think. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just there's an incident that happened that is fucking hilarious to me. Okay, so we all know about AAA, we all know about Lucha Libre, uh, FMV, and we all know about the the trademark bullshit, yes? You guys are both very well-versed in this that's happening. And, um, well, a smaller Arizona-based Lucha Libre company just found out that AAA completely stole one of their logos and is using it to promote their shows. And uh, it's it's of a luchador. It's kind of like an Art Deco luchador with a belt. And uh, Wait, the tra- same company that's been trademarking everybody else's stuff is infringing yeah. on other people's trademarks. Yeah, the same the same company that's um, trademarking stuff that doesn't even technically belong to them uh, just stole 
someone else's work and is providing it as their own. And as of today, after the whole internet called them on it and everyone's tweeting about it, it was still fucking up this morning. So I don't know if it still is, but I think it's hilarious. And um, I'm just saying, you know, you, you ever you ever talk to somebody that criticizes people a lot and you, you look at them and you say, maybe you should fix yourself first. Yeah. Um, I think uh, some people should be a little less Bush League before they try to big league people. What I'm saying. Not mentioning any names, but if you're so good at paying your lawyers instead of your boys, maybe you could have somebody look into the artwork that you're using and make sure that it's really yours. Because I'm pretty sure there's just a nice little computer program that does that. It's called Google Reverse Image Search. Yeah, I... I mean, I've been a fan of AAA, but I just don't even know, like, what am I supposed to be watching at this point now? What's oh, left I, for me um, to watch? I stopped watching AAA because they're actively fucking my favorite wrestler. And like I said, I hope it doesn't come to that with Lucha Underground because I will feel I, – I, I'll do the same thing. As much as I love everyone involved in the show, it just takes one bad apple to spoil the whole bunch. And I think we know who I'm talking about. Well, look, you've heard two sides of the Lucha Underground story. Pentagon says that he loves working there, wants to be back. Evie Dub says, you know, he's got these guys under contract and they're part of the storylines that Chris and Chris are writing, so he wants them to come back. Mm -hmm. um, there's only one piece of that puzzle – that can make it not happen at this point in time. And I don't know if they can make it not happen or they could just make it really shitty, but either way, just let it happen because you got to look at things like this is a different entity than triple a. Okay. Triple yeah. A's over here. Okay. And it's got to stay that way for a lot of reasons. Okay. Because there's and, a lot of shit we can bring up about AAA that we're not that I'm not going to bring up right now. Well, but this goes this goes back to to even the the Court Bauer thing that we were talking about before of what he said on MLW of of Evie Dub basically should go talk to his boss. I think people are misunderstanding the term boss. Look, yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of jefes in this game, and they are all in control of their own portions of the game. No one's going to mess with Evie Dub on the television product. And I don't think he really wants to be dealing with all this other crap, as he calls it, the wrestling bullshit. He wants to Which make is a great, it's bullshit. That's the perfect description. Yeah, he wants to make a good TV show. He's a TV producer. But don't think that that means that he's answering to wrestling promoters all of a sudden. Just because he's not in charge of the wrestling promotion side of things. He is the Don of his side of the game. Skip, um, as you've put together probably from listening to this show, nobody tells Skip how to direct those scenes. He's an executive producer on the show too. The vignettes are Skip's world. DJ might write them, but then they hand that shit over to Skip and Skip makes that shit. He's got the seal of approval from Robert Rodriguez. He's got the sign-off from Evie Dub and Dorian. Nobody messes with Skip's end of this product or in his world or pisses in his pond. Dorian is in charge of the licensing of the IPs and the merchandise and that stuff and dealing with some of the talent relations and PR. You saw the official release about Netflix came from the desk of Dorian Roldan. 
EB-Dub, even on this show, did not want to say that he was making the announcement officially because he doesn't want to step on Dorian's toes. He wants Dorian to do his part of the job as well as he's doing his part with the TV production and as well as Skip is doing his part with the vignettes. DJ's doing his part with the writing. Rodriguez is doing his part with the network. Burnett and MGM are doing their part with the bigger deals and being part of Hollywood. Like everyone's got their piece of this pie. There's investors. They have concerns with the money and the inflow and in and out. People need to stop thinking that there's one boss of this company. There is no Vince McMahon. Dorian is not Vince. He's not running the whole show. I think we're forgetting Dario Cueto. (laughs) I had to do it. I had to case fave it. I had to because it was getting heated, Justin, because I'm angry. Because I'm they, angry too. I'm angry. I'm angry at how much people still misunderstand this product. I'm angry that people could fathom that there's some kind of feud going on between TNA and Lucha Underground. Mm-hmm. Dear Lord, there is not. First not. of all, neither company is in a position to need to be worried about feuding with anybody. They need right. to be worried about keeping their lights on and putting out good programs. You know, TNA is rebooting themselves right now. They're trying some things, though, bringing in Jeff and his creative team isn't exactly new. Might still be the right choice, believe it or not. Um, But they're working on rebuilding something new. Lucha Underground is working on making bigger deals and turning heads and trying to figure out how to turn a TV product into a wrestling promotion. Because it's not, by the way. It's not a wrestling promotion. I don't think it ever, I don't think it needs to be. I mean, I guess it's good for the talent to be able to wrestle more dates, though. It like, does need to be. It does need to be yeah. because that's what's going to keep talent happy. I mean, you you look at all these issues and all these things that are going on. The biggest problem that Lucha has, even above merchandising, is their talent relations. Mm-hmm. Um, it's there's there's a lack it's of talent relations and public relations, honestly. Because well, yeah, but I mean, they kind of go hand in hand. If you're not dealing yeah. with the guys that work for you, then how are you going to deal with the public? I mean, they don't have the infrastructure for it because as Byron and I can tell you, that's not the way TV shows are built. Mm-hmm. Even on our shows in the off season, the talent kind of is flipping out because right. they don't know what's going on a lot of the times because and there's not really paid people to be doing that yeah, kind of there's shit. Somebody at the network making some overall global decisions, but until the network starts shelling out the money to the production companies again, Mm-hmm. who are actually dealing with the talent, the networks don't deal with the talent directly. Like no one at right. LA is ever going to call, you know, uh, Vinny Massaro about pizza farting. <laughs> it's never going to happen. That would be dope though. And if it does happen, Vinny, we want a recording of the call on the show. So it, it's an issue. It's, it's, it's an, a regrettable issue. It's one that I know that Eric knows exists. Um, and he knows where his strengths and weaknesses are. He knows that he is not a wrestling promoter, nor does he want to be one. He wants to be a guy who runs a great TV show. He's a showrunner. He runs I'm biting my tongue here, Justin, and I don't know if I should be or not. But Why? Why bite your tongue? I'm not. We're not okay. I hope I'm wrong. Um, I feel like there's a lot of big, big league dudes in this deal, right? Yes, a lot of them. A lot That's of big league dudes with a lot of stakes. And I feel like there's a big league dude that's not really a big league dude that's making them think he's a big league dude. And I, I won't lie. I feel I feel like that's a little bit of what's happened here too. I feel like um, 
you know, Dorian is in a room with. Oh, I wasn't saying it. I'm saying it. I'm saying it. I feel like Dorian was in a room at Combatties America. And, you know, a lot of people are talking big stuff about what their plans are. ADR is in the room talking about big plans for for Combates. Court's there. Who cares about ADR? He's doing good with Combatties America. But you yeah. got Dorian standing there, and I think Dorian is like, hey, check this out. We got this Lucha, this Lucha going to Netflix deal going on. And he's trying to tout some of the big things he's got going on. <laughs> but at the same time, he's got these wrestlers that are bailing on him because they don't like their work conditions. Mm. So now he's looking like a fool to a certain extent, and he's got to try to lay the smack down on these guys because yeah. they're making them the look expen- bad. At the expense of your other gig, though, like AAA is separate. See, okay, but maybe he's backpedaling off that. I don't know. But my point is, <clears throat> it's an unenviable position for him to be in where he does have a bigger burden of proof. You know, EV Dub, he's busy refereeing fights between the president of the United States and a former governor of this state. I mean, that's the kind of level that he's on. That's what he's dealing with with his other show. I want to give Arnold. He's not dealing with five workers who decided to not show up for work. He's dealing with presidents fighting governors. You know what I'm saying? Can I say this? Did you guys guys watch that Triple Mania pay-per-view, right? The complete garbage clusterfuck Triple Mania pay-per-view? Oh, I don't know if it was complete garbage. I liked some of it. Yeah, remember like all the technical difficulties and the fuck-ups that made it nearly unwatchable? And um, that great Viano match versus the Clowns? Um, Somebody saw that and said... Let's put this guy in charge. Just remember that. Look, I, 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 I don't have anything against Dorian. I want to see I don't him. And see hey, him. I've never met the guy. All the stuff I hear is hearsay. Okay, it's. The, I just gotta say, dude, it's the impression people are getting of you, and you gotta turn that shit around for your benefit and Lucha Underground's benefit. And the way you do that is saying. Yo, Pentagon, we're still bros. Come back. I don't know that that's the way to do it either. I think that you just have to let that situation lie and play itself out. And I honestly, honestly, I think he should do the exact opposite, in my opinion. At this point, he's made his play. He's made his move. He is in a position of strength. He shouldn't be the one to come to Pentagon at all. You know what should happen? Triple A should... Tell Pentagon and Phoenix that they made a bad deal and they should try to get them back. And it would be better for AAA to make a new deal with those guys and bring them back in and treat them the way they should be. They should treat them. And at the end of the day, Pentagon and Phoenix could continue to work owning their gimmick. No, the God, no. <clears throat> they can't I let think, them come uh, back now. They can't do that. That's that's even worse for business. Trying to go out of your way to screw them over is one thing. Letting guys come back that left for whatever reason, whether it was right or wrong. Vince does it all the time. And Vince is the biggest. After, after a while, bro, we're talking a couple years. Vince is not letting anybody back in the door after a couple months. The Lucha Underground side of this is going to play out long before the AAA side of this plays out. And, you know, honestly, I don't give a shit about the AAA side of it. I know you don't, and and you shouldn't. And Honestly, neither should Dorian, and neither should those guys. It's pretty damning, Justin. It's damning that I don't give a shit because I have been watching AAA like fucking 20 years now, 
and liked it. And through all the weird shit that they did, all the changes that they've done, I've stuck with it. And I've said I've had enough. I've pulled the Zorro here. Here's everyone's play. I'll tell you what the honest, smart play for everyone is. The honest, smart play is for everyone to show up for work when the phone call comes. When the phone call comes to show up in September or October or whenever it is, show up for work and figure it out then. Because until there's a green light on season four and everyone can come back and get a paycheck, there's going to be all these little minor skirmishes that all they can do is damage everyone further. And then in addition, I think that, you know, Pentagon and those guys need to play their angle, play their gimmick, but not try to ruffle feathers in the process. Like they've done that. They've already ruffled the feathers. You did it. You did your big jump. You made your big move. Now just go and work your dates, bro. Get your money. Sell them damn shirts. That's it. For Dorian. Hey, new shirt up on Pro Wrestling. Oh, fuck. Um, new shirt up on Mass Republic. I'm Mass sorry. Republic. Dude, yeah, come uh, on. You got to give Ruben and Kleinrock their, their due. <laughs> I love those guys because Kleinrock laughed at my penis referee on Facebook. So thank Good. You yeah. Um, Did that take your penis? No, seriously, sell that merch though, guys. Get that stuff now, especially in case it goes away. Like it could be collector's items. Um, but the play for Dorian, I think, is he's got to get the PR dialed in. Forget the touring, forget the merchandise, forget all that stuff. Like, don't leak any more information. Not to me, not to court, not to anyone. Be in control of your own press. Be the if if it's getting put on your desk now. Evie Dub doesn't want to do it. He doesn't want to be coming on this show to, to make announcements. He doesn't Great want to be... Justin, just bury the dude. He's going to block it's us from ever having guests. Whatever. I care more <laughs> about the product than whatever. Yeah. This is not, It's not a big deal. But this is the smart move. The smart move is handle your own PR, bro. Get out there. Dorian's the one who should come on this show. He absolutely should come on this show. Or if he's friends with Court Bauer, go on Court's show. He's got to start talking For to sure. people. If he's, we're talking about a company we're talking about a company that's gotten famous for the camaraderie and the family-like atmosphere in the locker room if he's going to be the leader of talent relations he needs to get in front of all of that he needs to be the face of that and he has to take command and control of that that's being a man that's stepping into the big boy pants that's playing the game with the big boys okay and until that happens He should be taking some interviews. He should be talking to some people. He should be hyping it up. If he can't say the deals are there yet, don't say the deals are there yet. Go and hype the story of how you created Lucha Underground, how you brought all these people together, how great an idea is. You speak two languages, start talking in two languages to everybody. If it's his job, he needs to do it. Do you think he realizes the overwhelmingly negative sentiment towards him right now? Because he's key. You know, maybe if he talked about this, that wouldn't be there. Maybe if he, he gave his side of the story. I know it wouldn't. You You tell me if he came on this show next week and we let him talk about the formation of Lucha underground, get some people excited about Netflix, asked him a couple hard questions about Pentagon. Do you think that people would relate to him less or more? Do you think that people would be more excited about Lucha underground or less excited? Hey, I think they'd be more excited, but depending on how he answered those Pentagon questions, um, shit could get a little dicey. And that, how's he going to answer those questions? He's going to say exactly he he's got he a good answer. Says everyone's happy. If he 
if he says what if he comes on here and he puts on big boy pants and he tells you this guy left me on a legitimate contract and so i took it out on him are you going to hold it against him as a businessman that he made that move yeah because he fucked Why? because fucked because you like that performer you gotta hey man you gotta you gotta stick by your bros even if they're wrong. You know what I mean? Like I'm not saying that you shouldn't, but I'm saying that I don't think that he's gonna lose respect from doing that. I think he's gonna gain more respect than he already has right now. I don't know. I think I think that the fact if that you're a hefe, you can do that. If you're a hefe, if you're a real baller, if you're a real boss, you can do that. If you're if you're a real hefe, you don't have the talent get that fed up that they fucking leave you in the first place. But well, you tell me why. You tell me, hey burn them to the ground i got other plans and those guys weren't on board and and hey if that's the case that's fine but it you can't tell me vince damage. didn't do that a million times on the way to the top it will damage the product to not have pentagon involved season four forward i'm not disagreeing with that i'm not just <laughs> i'm not disagreeing with that no, I, know, I, I know i know you're playing devil's advocate here I i'm know. not even playing devil's advocate i'm straight up saying that for better or for worse he doesn't have to necessarily justify his decisions but he is responsible for that part of the product and the talent right. relations part and the part of creating a promotion. And part of doing that is he's got to get in front of this stuff. He no, should be making does. a tweet about Netflix. And when it's coming out four weeks after we reported it, two weeks after court Bauer reported it after everybody else in the world promoted it, if it's his company, he has I do to see in front of this stuff. A lot of people are accusing him of hiding behind the LLC that he is the GM of. And that's not the, that's not the look that you want. No, definitely, right? right. Especially well, when he's the name on the press releases. Exactly. And he should be. And that's the way that they want it. EBW mm -hmm. needs to go edit the show and deal with that. Chris needs to go write the show. Skip needs to go direct the show. Like, everybody else has a job. This mm -hmm. should be his job. He's the guy who's got the infrastructure to do it. He's the one controlling the IPs. He's the one that should be doing the merchandising, the touring, and dealing with the PR. He should have the day-to-day -day office to make these things happen. So that's what I am asking and hoping that he will do. And I will be more than glad to help facilitate in any way that I can as a fan of the product for that to happen because I'd like to see it survive and thrive. And if it's not us, hopefully it's somewhere else. Because hey, do it on board if he happen. feels more comfortable. He's just got to get the word out there. It doesn't matter what show he does it on. Just do it, dude. Yeah, and the other thing is control your information. Don't let stuff leak. You know, if you need to be the, the face of it moving forward and there needs to be big announcements to get people hyped up and to get people on his side, he should be the one making them and no one else. We'll see if it happens. All right, guys, that's all I got time for. Byron looks exhausted. Casey got to again. finally say his stuff. I don't think we got the plug pulled on us this time. So I think I think maybe we've done something right. <laughs> I wasn't as angry as last week. I feel sad. I, I, I don't know why I was more mad last week, but I was. Yeah, it was a little fresher wound. It was a little fresher wound. But the, the trademark thing was so hilarious that it put me in a better mood. <laughs> that was just crazy. Um, look, we also have a new sweatshirt available um, at teespring.com forward slash MMM hoodie. H-O-O-D-I-E. So teespring.com forward slash MMM show hoodie. 
check it out. Um, we'll also put it up on the site. Very limited. It's only going to be around for three episodes. Starts tonight. So get it while you can if you're interested. It's similar to the Lucha Underground hoodie that's no longer available. Yeah. Um, so check it out. And um, yeah, because if you want to stay warm at wrestling events and you can't buy a hoodie from the promotion that you like, buy it from your favorite podcast instead. And if they don't have a hoodie, buy ours. And a portion of the proceeds are going to the Wounded Warrior Fund. I normally give awesome. uh, to, and I wasn't able to this year. So um, I did this instead. So we're going to give some of the proceeds to, to charity as well, to the Wounded awesome. Warrior Fund. Um, all right. Byron, you got anything else to add? No. Casey, you got anything else? Nah. Thanks to the Toll Man for coming by. Always an awesome oh, yeah. guest. Always one of our favorites. Always welcome here anytime. And so until next time, stay calm and stay in the mix. Stay in the mix.